0: Tune in to The Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM
1: was Michael Martin telling me on the air about 10 days ago that um, cash-rich purchasers and cuckoo funds snapping up uh, housing estates and housing stock was gone? I mean, he did say that. I questioned him about it, but there you have it on the front of The Independent today. First-time buyers squeezed out of the new homes market by cash-rich purchasers driving the prices up and cuckoo funds who are dominating housing supply. There it is, in black and white. So the first time buyers are being squeezed, and a lot of the time it is cuckoo funds who uh, snap up half the available stock apparently. So it hasn't gone away in spite of what he was trying to convince me when I chatted with him about 10 days ago. And talking about money matters, um, another house that's proving very expensive (laughs) is the Auris. Uh, The prices and costs on running the Auris have climbed as well with the mirror saying you possibly didn't know this uh, but it costs 4.8 million uh, a year to run the office of the president. It's important, I guess. It's a bill we need to pay. God Almighty, we fought long enough to be able to do it a uh, hundred years ago. So I suppose uh, four point eight may well be money well spent. I don't know, um, but the toing and froing with South Dock on Cork in Cork. I mean, this continues to to drag on. Uh, you know, we were there was all sorts of pandemonium about um, the Blackpool Centre, which was closed for over a year. That gets sorted, and now the front page of the Echo says uh, that there are suggestions now that out-of-hours GP services, South Dock, if you like, would be centralised to a single hub in the city, back to the way it was when Blackpool was closed. Because Tommy Gould is having none of that and he makes the front of this morning's um, echo. It's an extraordinary story that makes not just the echo, but it also makes some of the red tops this morning. And it's uh, an allegation before the courts uh, of, sen- well, it's actually been put back for sentencing now of a 58-year-old man by the name of Donald O'Callaghan. Uh, the case has been put back for sentence until November 26th, um, where uh, he carried out a €1 million social welfare scam over an extraordinary long period of time, 33 years. Uh, And sentencing has been put back for a month now. The accused man was claiming pensions for his mother and his father, who were both dead and dead for many years, um, 33 years. Uh, I'll come back to it when it comes before the courts for, for sentencing. Um, but uh, it's an extraordinary one that also makes this morning's uh, mail who say that uh, he stole 527,000 euro by drawing his dead parents' pensions on a lease side for 33 years but the prosecution said actually it's probably closer to uh, a million so he's also had to get, well he's got free legal aid but the legal aid has been extended to include a senior counsel now Um, and uh, it could be, it's certainly north of five or six hundred thousand with the prosecution saying it could be up to a million. I, I won't spend much time on ticketing regarding nightclubs and um, and late bars and what have you because I will be coming back to this this morning. But there's a lot of confusion on Lee Side. And the people who really need to know uh, are the likes of, of Reardon's because they have a number of establishments because they got Reardon's itself, they got Secret Garden, they got the Hidden Attic, and then other publicans who have late night bars around the city um, are also, I guess, voodoo in places that wonder. Well, I won't spend much time on it now, but there's all sorts of confusion because you need to book um, at least an hour before you intend going to, say, for instance, a, a nightclub, uh, and they say that the spontaneous visit to a nightclub will be gone because people won't just uh, won't hang around for the hour. Uh, so that's something I will come back to, but it makes all of the papers today. They're saying that there's been a high level of compliance certainly over the bank holiday weekend at venues across the country uh, enforcing uh, COVID certs and what have you. The downside, of course, is that unfortunately some people are going around with other people's uh, COVID certs and they seem to be getting in just fine. Uh, and then there's fake ones knocking around. The Independent this morning says that uh, you can face a two thousand euro fine and or jail if you're caught with a fake COVID vaccine cert, which you can buy online. I dealt with this on air last week. Social media platforms, um, there's many of them selling these fake COVID Irish QR certs. And, uh, um, you know, they vary in price, but apparently there's a take up on that. Papers also this morning say uh, there was a gig cancelled. Uh, Most cancelled a gig at the uh, Opera House quite late. The Opera House then brought in a rake of staff, then extra staff, uh, to communicate the cancellation to uh, customers emailing them, announcing it on social media, doing the best on Twitter and Instagram, telling them, telling punters that the gig was cancelled due to unforeseen circumstances. I don't know. Most have may have had a I don't know, sore throat. I not, the gig was cancelled anyway, and that's unfortunate. People got their money back, but apparently uh, the Opera House staff got quite an amount of abuse from people. Can't understand why. It had nothing to do with the Opera House. They didn't cancel the gig. It was the artist. But the Opera House came out then and said, we will not accept or tolerate our staff being abused. If you have any further complaints, forward them to the artist's manager. And they gave the email of the artist manager. And I think proper order too. What in the name of God were people abusing the opera house for and shouting and roaring at staff? I mean, what if you sat back and thought about it, what did the staff do in any way, shape or form? Uh, to deserve your abuse if you were one of them that was roaring and screaming at them. One thing that people should be roaring and screaming about is the price of petrol. And you've got to wonder, is there any gouging going on here when different petrol stations around the country have huge variety in the price of a litre of petrol? So why do they have such variety? Like the Coda Dublin petrol station, who's pulling in 73.9, that's, that's, that's 174 cent a litre. Whereas in County Leash, then, it's 159 cent a litre. Uh, and for instance, Texaco and Black pool are 169 a litre and others then are 160 when you look at other parts of the country so what's going on there and also apparently huge demand uh, for second-hand car prices if you look at year on year 2020 to 2021 which the independent does this says there's been a perfect storm of increases in 2nd car prices 16 percent up year on year um love to know why actually is it like is it just people are more cost conscious is there fewer of them around has it anything to do uh, with brexit one thing that has got to do with brexit i've been keeping an eye on the things that the uk are running short of because of brexit and i was doing that brexit watch list uh, last week there's another one you can add to it now turkeys apparently. They're not going to have any turkeys for Christmas Day because of Brexit, according to the Times UK. I don't know whether they want the fresh ones or the frozen ones. It has all got to do uh, with a shortage of seasonal workers who left because of COVID-19, left the UK because of Brexit and ain't coming back. So that's an interesting one. Very seriously, though, this spiking Uh, problem in the UK seems to have spread to Ireland. We heard of drinks being spiked, but what about women being spiked with needles and syringes? Um, That's a story that makes the papers today, because online uh, a girl who was out at the weekend uh, shared a post and a photograph. She says, I was spiked last night. Uh, We all drank. We drank all our drinks at the bar to be safe which is interesting in itself. But I woke up with this dirty bruise. Just be careful out there. And there's a photograph of her, uh, the calf of, oh, sorry, uh, just under her arm uh, where the skin is punctured with a needle and then it came up all black and blue. She tested positive, she said, when she went to hospital for multiple drugs in her system. And in the UK, the Times UK is reporting seven more women telling police of spikings on nights out at seaside towns. Um, And apparently they're being spiked with benzo diazepines in liquid form in bars, in pubs, in clubs uh, during the week as well as over the weekend. So that may be something we might come back to. It's a worry. There's an horrific story making the independent today of a teenager who actually got jailed for this. Um, It's very interesting what people get jailed for in Ireland and they get suspended sentences for. But I think everybody would agree. This character anyway had 36 previous convictions and is actually currently serving a sentence for two years um, with the final six months suspended for an offence of a violent disorder. He was back in court yesterday, a teenager. He killed a dog by kicking it so hard that the dog flew over the owner's head such was the veracity and the power of the kick he propelled the dog over the owner's head so he's been jailed uh, for six months a 19 year old uh, kicked the dog twice incidentally in its underbelly caught it in the underbelly while the owner was speaking with his mother that guy needs some kind of counselling or psychiatric care I think or somebody needs to sit down and talk to him and then there's an interesting story you know people who um Engage in fraudulent claims with regards to motor ins- uh, motor accidents, alleged injuries involving other cars. Well, there was this sister and brother who falsely claimed that they were injured in an accident, but he wasn't even at the car in the car at the time. Uh, so that's an interesting. But they were spared jail, and until until such time, um, um, it was against uh, they were claiming you know injuries regarding uh, an accident involving an old age pensioner apparently. There's a big court report on it in the Daily Mail today but we need to get very serious about this and maybe suspended sentences is a bad idea. It's not maybe sending out the right right message. People might say it's worth a punt because you'll never go to jail. And the papers also today talk about the very mild climate that we're having these days is that the reason why there are still so many wasps around be careful that you don't get stung, be the sting of a dying wasp because they're still out there and apparently there are many pest controls now call-outs up 83% year-on-year and the public are being aware, are being told to be aware of, of, of dying, angry wasps. I suppose you wouldn't be too impressed if you were dying yourself, so the wasps maybe have an argument to make, but apparently there's nothing worse than the sting of a dying wasp. Lines are open one 1850 104 106 The
0: Neil Prenderville Show
1: Okay so with the issue Regarding nightclubs And what have you I will come back to that And we'll talk to some Of the players Hopefully across the morning As to how things will change From tomorrow I believe And across the weekend If you're booking Certainly nightclubs Not 100% sure of late bars With jocks and with live bands or live music. I imagine they're in the mix as well, where you'd have to book ahead. But boy, had we some fun there last week with regards to clubbing and nightclubs. And remember when the nightclubs came back uh, on Friday, I was asking the question on Friday morning, if you could bring a nightclub back, what nightclub would it be? We got a huge response. And we actually spoke to the likes of Colette, who worked in Pitts Bar, and Lisa, who worked in, in Mangans and what have you, and got some great ghost stories out of Mangans, incidentally. Mangans... Was Where Wetherspoons is now, there was another few clubs, the Crowjacks would have been the same location many, many years ago, and hysteria in the middle. more were talking about sir henry 's many spoke about the Savoy Reds club FX fast eddies. What else have I got for you um, obviously chandra 's gorby 's Club one, many, many people talking about the village. Uh, what else have I got for you, Freak scene at Gorby's, lots for Mangans, lots for Chandras and many people talking about the Pav and talking about the Pav actually, one or two people on Friday then were chatting about people on the door or people who ran many of the clubs and Jordan Bracken's name kept coming up, the one and only, the great Jordan Bracken, I didn't get to him on Friday, I was mental busy and I ran out of time yesterday but I'm happy to say he joins me this morning, Jordan good morning Good morning, Mr. Bond. How are you doing? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're very kind. You say the nicest of things. By the way, Neil, I saw that all over the weekend. Great movie. Did you finally? Oh, listen, no, spoiler... no spoilers, please. <laughs> Here's one, Steve. you have to bring a handkerchief with you. Yeah, but no spoilers because people will wreck my head if you give away the ending. So don't... don't... All I say is bring a tissue. <laughs> Don't I'm serious. even go there I'll give it another few days And if people haven't seen Bond by maybe Friday We can talk about how it ended But give him another no, day No
2: I wouldn't say that at all but Did
1: you notice that it was nearly three hours long incidentally Nope, flew through I, I was the same actually it didn't feel ah, like it. Fantastic. What well, we, well, um, we were doing? We were doing some okay, serious. So... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: Go no, no. I, I, I went. Well, you know, you're on there about club names and so forth. I would go back as far because I'm 150 years old. We go back to like the Cock Con, 1978-79, Shannon Ball Club, um, the likes of Ball guards, where you had to walk up the stairs inside the. The Savoy Center. It's yeah And then yeah, yeah. at the top there was Kenny Lee. And if you weren't over age or if you weren't the right age, you'd be turned away and get you a got kick the, in the flick axe from and Kenny. The again. We yeah. were all we were always dreading it because there was always one of us in our gang that was always looked young um, the arc where we saw the likes of horse lips that's right that's it was right. the first time we ever saw men dressed in silk suits and we kind of going what the hell um, platform and, boots that was back yeah, in the days those, that was back in know, the days said, of um, Niels that's, that's hysterical because back then it was all Saturday night fever and whatever no I've got bandy legs right <laughs> okay <laughs> as if I was on a horse for 10 hours so you can imagine me you know the high heels that they were wearing back then I was like Audie oh, Murphy gone wrong
1: You used to have this very long black leather coat that went right down to your heels if I remember correctly No I didn't I
2: didn't I, didn't. I actually had a long navy cashmere coat Yeah, Go away you, yeah, chance. you had a long black leather coat <laughs> Yeah but that was more back in that was more 87, 88 when the likes of the pits
1: was open and that's where all the beautiful I think open, you right? thought you were one of the lads from Wham. I don't know whether you thought you oh, were yeah, originally
2: or Michael. Wham, Neil, Neil Spando, Bally Duran, Duran. That's right.
3: See, that's
2: see, cool. see, what? Um, one very good place that we used to go to on a Sunday night was the Country Club. Right, every Sunday night. Uh, this would be seventy nine, eighty, but half or two of the club or half or two through the night, they'd stop for your chicken supper. Now, she's mine, all right. There wasn't any, you know, hand towels and whatever. Right. So when you were having the slow set with a girl, the grease from your face was stuck to the grease from her face. <laughs> so when she was trying to leave you, her hair was stuck
1: onto your face. It was just hysterical. So you had chick- she had chicken day. grease all down her back oh, from yeah, the clinger. Yeah.
2: And you had the same, you know. <laughs> but um, but there, was, there, was, there was a serious change then in Cork City, Neil. This, this is great, now. 1980 to 82, when you were the likes of Mirror, Mirror. Ladies' fashion shop in the Queens, which is the best fashion shop for women ever, and you had Alan Best in the Queens. Now the guy who owned Alan Best is still there today. Gentlemen's J- Quarters, civil Jim and what a genius! And you would watch Top of the Pops on a Thursday night, and you'd see John, Durant's about serious ABC, Brian Ferry, he was buying all that stuff. So every <laughs> night, come, he'd play Top of the Pops, as you know, because you were jocking everywhere. I mean, the fashion, you no know, serious. There was a big change, and people took more care of what they were wearing. Um, that's, that's girls right. with the hair it was just
1: a vibrant city absolutely incredible that's um, true I forgot about the fashion you're absolutely oh. right yeah. and a lot, of it, a lot of it then was like you know uh, big hair lots of plastic lots of leather wasn't it? you Neil, dynasty Dallas think of that the big shoulders <laughs> the big shoulders massive
2: the shoulder, pads. Get the with the shoulder pads they would just knock you out Um, But but back around that time The likes of Coco's Came on the scene The Gay Future Bar Also inside The Victoria Hotel And you'd go there On a Sunday afternoon Then you'd head to Kinsale down to the likes of them, um, down to the Spaniard and the Bullman. That's then right. Then back into the Cork and Reds nightclub. For- it was absolutely a vibrant s- s- city at that time. I forgot about uh, the trips a- to Kinsale right. on
1: a Sunday afternoon. Yeah,
2: yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it was the was place. Then there was a, a, a slight gap then, and then the busiest nightclub to ever open in Cork City opened, Cubans. <laughs> now, to a lot of your listeners and we would recall that name because they got 10 years out of Cubans, the lads who owned it, Ger Paul. Joe Sullivan, Bernard Crowley, great operators. But Neil, it was absolutely, they kept investing in the club, reinvesting. It was incredible. And what, I mean, what was the
1: difference there? Was it moved to a new level? Was it a bigger rig, bigger dance floor, more lighting, um, funkier it, place?
2: Um, it, 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 it was a mixture of everything, but they did things right. Now, I remember how I got involved in the nightclub game, right? I was walking down Washington Street and I met the manager of Cubans, Brendan Lucy, And we were chatting away and um, he had just said, what are you doing with your Saturday nights? And I said, Look, I just at to come out of the ladies' fashion business. Remember the fashion business that I was in, and I became a Muslim. I will tell you that story now time That's right. Um, That's right. <laughs> you Good know man. all that story. Good and, uh, man. And he said, um, He said you've been you doing a bit of door work. And I said, but, and then I couldn't bounce the ball. He said, No, 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 no. <laughs> We're looking for someone who can talk on the door. I
1: thought you and played. I, was... I thought you played hearty cup for the man. Go on. <laughs> Yeah, but that wasn't giving anyone a slap. You I mean, you actually got
2: slapped. That was from the war from the teachers and the brothers. Um, so that, but, but what he was telling me about putting a door together was very handy when I was putting the paths together. Because yeah. when you're picking the door crew, it's like picking a soccer team. You've got your tough guys, good-looking guys, and people who can talk.
1: Yeah. So it was a mixture. So it was a great learning experience. Like when um, you talk to Cubans, of course, before that for a long time was Spiders nobody's talking was, about Spiders was, phenomenally was, yeah, successful
2: yeah it was um, a very funny story about Spiders my brother Adrian who'd be very dark-skinned came back from his holidays and they were doing an um, Italian-Spanish night in there and they were picking up the best dancer and Adrian won it they all thought he was Spanish <laughs> and when he was up to get his award Kenny Lee said that's Adrian Bracken and turned around and gave him a punch in the arse and said bring up some Spanish for you <laughs> so funny but back then didn't you with the likes of Elroy's Live music, Aslan Neil Aslan live in Elroy's was the best night in court. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah. And how? On the how floor, you had Tony Martin. Yeah. Richard Cassidy. These two guys were like something built out of granite. They were just handsome looking. The way they were, that they the way that they spoke to people. They were just. They went on to open way.
1: Hysteria, then didn't they? After Mangas, uh,
2: they went on to opened um, Hysteria. I was with the lads in for a month. That was a great learning experience, and I was approached to go up and get the pub going. And, and the actual way that it walked back then when, during the days of the Pav was that you would go to Club Chaos on our Street over to Neil Cronin well run club as well then you'd go to World's End to Liam Bonner who was the best front of house man ever in Corksley that bar was rocking then over to the Pav and in the Pav on a Saturday night Neil it was just pure glitz you came to the door and you were just fantastic I'd pull you out of the crowd let you in for nothing and there was more flirting and snogging on the door on the, the door
1: than there was upstairs there was more flirting and snogging on the door with the doorman I'd say oh well, yeah it was just fantastic
2: could you get away with it now I don't know but it was just great fun I mean you, I, I keep hearing people saying to me Jordan Jesus there's no nightclub there's no personality but there's not
1: I mean there was, there, was a, there would have been maybe a dozen maybe 15 perhaps even 20 at one stage going and, and now I think there's maybe two possibly three at a push yeah but, but I, I always remember talking to Kennedy the legendary Kennedy and he
2: said Jordan two things get him in and get him out there were the two things for a nightclub, but your door is everything. That's the first thing they see when they come to a nightclub and the last thing they see. You know, so your door was so important um, but but, but, uh, but in regards to the Pav, we had some great nights. We had the Pav, or sorry, we had the Michael Collins after show parts with the world premier. We had the Oasis Remember back in ninety five when they played in Parky Keith, I think you run to me that morning on the yeah, phone. Yeah. We had yeah. great night with Joe Elias, we had Eddie Irvine and Eddie Henry, what a nice. Um, mm-hmm. upstairs and in the pant on the back stairs was a casting coach. <laughs> 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 um, and that's where I used to um, shall we say, talk to people in interview
3: <laughs> that's that's for the course
2: of the night and Neil, it was well used. Oh but, my
1: god. Let's not even it, go there. I mean a lot well, of the a lot of the eighties. A lot we of the eighties parties. Come here, we have several Christmas parties in July. That's, That's right, and different. there would be an awful lot. The, a lot of the eighties, the clubs would have quite an amount of fancy dress parties, and they would we have beach parties the where they'd bring—I don't know—does it still go on? They would bring in sand uh, and, yep. and, and stuff like that, and then yeah, they'd have yeah, foam, yeah. foam yeah, parties. yeah, with a beach party, yeah, a beach
2: party a foam party. But there was one thing about the pub that people don't realize, right? We put the pub with carpet. So every time before we just opened the doors, I got the DJ to fill the place with smoke, and I'd walk through it. Then with air freshener, people don't realise this. Oh, nobody knows. And the people come and go to the place. That was beautiful, but they didn't realise that they looked down on the ground. It's carpet, so it's spilled drinks. People getting sick. If you stand it long, you were stuck in it. You know.
1: Yeah, just on. So, the, uh, just, and no just one on, knew that. Just on that point, I mean, what was yeah. the what was the door policy back in the day? Was it very 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 was it strict? It was very strict. Now, I always
2: stood across from the door crew, right? And, um, but if they make a call, you don't interfere. Because if you make, if you interfere with your doorman, they're then hesitant and they don't really stop someone. They would go by instinct. I mean, there's a very old saying, um, if you're on the
1: door of a nightclub, if in doubt, keep them out. And you know, you know that. But system. on what basis would they have said that? Um, if they did, Like, they it just, it just it mightn't it have liked the look. It was you, usually you, a guy. It was. I mean, you didn't refuse wit-
2: girls. Um, no, girls, unless you were really in an awful state, girls used to fly in the door. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's going to sound bad. That was the nature of our business. That's yeah. what we were doing. Yeah. And um, But you'd always have an instinct. It's the same if you, if you ask a taxi driver, why did he pass three people to pick up? It's instinct. There's something. There will be something in their head that's looking going, no, because if you stop somebody on the door of a nightclub, you can sort out on the door, the cameras are there, but if it starts inside, as you know better than anyone... Trying to get three guys out of a nightclub with 400 people. it's, it's then, then, then you're then you in trouble because you're bumping over girls, you're bumping over innocent people. So, on the door is, is vital. It's just so important. But, um, what was I going to say to you? Um, we, had, we had one incident there when I've just given a small idea in Ireland, one incident where we had three or four guys who were stopped on a Sunday night. And Ireland happened to play England the previous Saturday. Now, this was going to get very bad, and I walked down the stairs, and the guy that was causing trouble thought I was Moss Finn. <laughs> the road is there. Yeah, I copped straight away right now. This is going to get nasty. And he turned and went, Jesus, Moss, we could have done it you say, Ireland, Ireland beat by England. And I just went along with it. Bad so, ah, lads, I was a long time ago. <laughs> they left the door of the pub, walking up Cherry's Lane, waving back. Nice to see you, Moss, <laughs> legend, Fred, And Give it a damn, they call me whatever. <laughs> as long as there was no trouble. But one of the best nights we had was we, we got a phone call from John Dately. And i never forget this. About three times in the day, John rang. He said, argue with the VIP in town. Can you look after him? And I was going, who the hell in town? It was Dennis Irwin's testimonial in the Silver Springs. Yeah. Eric Cantona. Wow. I'm live a Liverpool fan, as you know, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he said, can you guarantee his safety? And we walked off the top of the top, whatever. This guy got over the tank at to the top of Gary's Lane. Six, three, And the carriage from coming down. Did you ever see the Spanish bullfighters and the balance? And what a man. I'm not, as I say I'm a
1: Liverpool man what was, what was it like man. for him in the club then Cantona he that. was
2: absolutely no like a gem never drank the other guys I, I won't even talk because they were a mess but he was just class act at the end of that night there's about seven branches pulled down. Cherry's Lane. There was women on the boot, inside in the bo- up in the bonnet. All oh, going back to Silver Springs. I can imagine what went down back there. It was just incredible. Amazing. But they were great taste. Um, was there no, any? I
1: mean, was there any? I mean, there's a problem at the moment now with uh, with you know women's drinks being spiked, and it's been here for quite a long time. No, we, but now we we're yeah, hearing we of sur- being we spiked with that, syringes. No, no. Nothing like that, no. No, we didn't have
2: that. No, we had. Um, obviously, there was cocaine, but the big thing, but the big job at them was ease. Tablet, you know,
1: yeah,
2: um, and when you think of it now, at the time it was a serious problem. But now you look back and you go, Jesus! Compared to what's going on now, you
1: yeah,
2: know. Yeah, um, yeah, and and one of the major problems we had in the pub was that the ladies' the, the, toilets were directly over the cloakroom. And when they put something down the toilet, what got flooded onto the coats? But the, everything came down onto the coats. So I'd say I must have spent a fortune paying off for of coats.
1: <laughs> and why did it all die? Why did it all die out? Was it that the pubs then and started it, it to stay open a very later? No, a very simple thing It was the late night bars Yeah
2: We, we Didn't have to contend With that Neil um, And you'd come out Of World's End You'd go straight across The road to the path um, And we'd, we'd be there till you know Half two But the late night bars Then opened And that changed everything Because you couldn't charge On the door Now after saying that I told they were charging Ten years ahead In the likes of Reardons And yeah. Deep South And people were tuned For three, four hours I I know a girl I queued for five hours To get into Deep South um, Five hours I said to her Can we fly to America In five hours <laughs> <laughs> and she was looking at me going I know and um, did she get in but, in the end? Uh, no she actually went home her her, her her girls her groups were there stayed on but um, so it, it was a different time Neil um, now I, I I mean when you go to a night cl- club back back then the guys knew who were doing what you know who was doing certain things shall we say now mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it seems to be very cold on the door um, you just don't know who they are. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a different environment. All but time. you know
1: that Cork bouncers for a long, long time uh, had a pretty bad reputation.
2: Neil, you always get... If I had someone like that, they were gone. Because, as I said, your, your nightclub starts on your door and ends on your door. At the end of the night, the night folks, whatever, whatever. If you've got a dickhead or a smart that's on that door, he can cause trouble. And the other doorman will actually get him removed because he could get them into trouble.
1: I already had a text here saying, when I hear you talking to Jordan, but he says, this text says that a lot of the, D- of the bouncers back then had a God complex. They thought they were true, superior true, to us. true,
2: true, true. We had one guy on the door, he was
1: known as Robocop.
2: And <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't last long But he used to come in to me Right I know I had to sort it out With a white mat He used to wear black glasses Inside in the club Standing in the middle of the floor <laughs> And I said Come here Put the I, fear I, of God I said <laughs> Come here Cop, are you taking the piss or what? I mean, people are kind of going, what the hell? You know, they, they pick up now as if it's going to be... I think he might
1: have looked cool, her. though, on the dance floor, giving a kind of a cool vibe off him. People might oh, say, no, wow. I mean, you know, we have
2: plenty of guys like that. We have plenty of guys like that. Do you that. know Malcolm
1: remember, Stokes, the postman? Huh? He worked on the door of Elroy's. Hang on a second, Malcolm. Hello, Neil. How do you feel about being told that you guys back in the day had a God complex? You thought you were superior to the punters.
3: <laughs> First of all, you know, I want to check Jordan on something, there. The cheek of him to say that Tony Martin was good looking. <laughs> he yes. <thought> about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Malcolm. Oh brilliant. Well <laughs> personality. Malcolm every door needs a Malcolm because he was great fun.
1: Well, that was where
3: <laughs> Elroy's El- was it Elroy's? Elroy's yeah. Elroy's world club. Honestly, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. For me it was the best club in Cork at the time.
1: Yeah. Yes. To-
2: not well, get... by a very good guy, but live music, it was the place to go. We'd, the likes of Don Baker, um, the likes of um, Eric Tracy, who owned it, bought him. The likes of the tribute bands, George Michael Tribute, um, Robbie Williams, David Bowie, Rod Stewart. I remember at, at the end of
3: the Rod Stewart had... gig, he was the guy, the guy who would play you them. George, like the this uh-huh? the, the Tribute Band, that was one hell of a night.
2: Do you remember? Do you remember
1: the? Do you remember the, uh, do you remember the black patent shoes and the white socks? Would you let them in? I never even well,
2: passed that now. Uh, oh,
1: shoes
3: and the white socks.
1: Yeah. What? Like
3: it was very rare where I stop someone on the door. To be honest with you, like as Jordan said, you get a good feeling for someone. Well, what was the good feeling? Really like? you didn't like the look well, of them, is it? It's hard to explain, Neil. It's very hard to explain, man. I'm you the know, the it's a great like feeling. feeling. I was fairly well known back then Neil
1: because he said soccer at, at the time Hello Yeah but why was you like so what was the gut feeling about if you was, the, the, was it the ugly guys you wouldn't let in No
3: No The feeling that you get Neil But what was the feeling I was in no place to tell everyone who was looking or <laughs> bad looking or handsome or whatever But I you just went with a gut feeling and but, look I done I done the best part to 10-12 years doing it
1: but I, I didn't do too bad out of it. No, I know that, but I mean, for years I would have people on the air or sending in letters way in the, back in the day before texts complaining about the bouncers saying, not tonight, or you've had too much, or you made trouble last week. And it wasn't true.
3: Look, I remember I used to use one thing years ago. And if I said to someone, sorry guys, not tonight, come back another night. If I got a bad reaction off them, I knew I was right. <laughs> the people that came back and said, look, fair enough, I nine times out of ten would tell them to go in. It depends yeah. on the reaction you get from.
1: Oh, All right, okay, easier. okay.
3: If okay. if I got a bad reaction from them, and I was on the front door, what would they do inside the club when there's somebody not at the door? See there you are. If somebody bumped to him then with a pint, upstairs, can you imagine the reaction? If that, if uh,
2: you know, if they're if they're like that on the door, imagine what he'd be like upstairs.
1: Oh, if he bumped into someone else inside, it would it would kick, yeah. it, would kick it would kick off. Straight yeah, and the
3: exactly. at the end of the day, which was dormant every time, and I have to say. I was in the rides West Hamers five years, roughly five years. If I saw two, maybe three fights in that time, there would have been a lot.
1: And you can put that down to the door staff, clearly, obviously, keeping no, it outside.
3: 100%. No, look, I worked with season, guys. I was, only, I was in my early 20s when I done it. I talk in 20, 22. I was working with fellas in their 40s and 50s. I worked with Joe McCarthy, and I was calling him was the lover. And... These guys were experienced. That's I, Joe I McCarthy
1: know. that works Chandra's for years and Stardust and oh, places dad, like yeah, that. Tom McCarthy, McCarthy's yeah. dad, yeah. Great yeah, guy. Tom,
3: Tom, 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 yeah. yeah. man. man. Yeah. And I worked with these guys. Like they were as old as my father at the time. Yeah. And I learned from them. Like, I I did, I got ten, twelve years old and I loved every single Did you ever get a box? I
1: got quite a few of them. Was that a, was that at the door when a fell when a fellow couldn't get in, was it?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was from men and women. <laughs> 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 oh, you just stood and took it. If, I, you, if you walked out in your favour, you know like if you caught, if, if you stop the fight and don't slap every now and again didn't do you in know our
1: Ah, yeah, but you don't want to be going to work knowing that you might get a dig or get a sucker punch.
3: look, that was few fair between, I have to say. Here's Carol
1: says, it's not true what they're saying. I would loads of times that bouncers stop male friends with me who were sober and no trouble. They'd look over your head, chewing their gum and say not well, we tonight had, we had no I can step in there now Neil I can tell you now there was nobody in the pub chewing gum because I thought it was the awful look to give nobody yeah. drinking tea it was a professional door because you're welcoming people in you're taking their money no no I'm, not saying, it's, to I'm say. not saying it's the pub they'd say they'd look over your head chewing their gum and they'd yeah, say and they'd say not tonight if you complained they'd just say move away it was totally passive aggressive. Cubans was a disaster for it, she says. That's Carol. Oh,
3: You'll God, always get a few. You'll always get a few. But I'll be honest with you, the fellas I worked with in their that time, and I worked in Ronnegans for five years after that, Yeah. Like the guys I worked with, honestly, they were top men. They treated people the way they wanted to be treated themselves. And that's the mindset that we went into work with
1: you know, no ghosts in the Pav did you Jordan there was ghosts there's a ghost apparently inside Mangans did you ever hear anything any kind of, any kind of weird things after closing time when the building was empty or anything like that that was probably uh, he, that was Jordan he's in, he's in, in the, the girls, girls. <laughs> 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 Neil. What? He's, he's, I, I think I think he was watching the
2: TV series in the 70s called The Ghost of Mrs. New York. no this, was, was, pa- this was a
1: couple of the girls in Mangans where spoons yeah, is now he's
2: still looking around there I'd say in all the glass, oh, the glass mirrors <laughs> inside right
1: there Neil, I
3: have
1: heard hard he? Well, i got to go, my, go myself, cheers Malcolm So those are happy days, but they're all gone now But fond memories nonetheless
2: Yes, Neil, before I go, don't forget that we're
1: offering One of your listeners who are getting
2: married <laughs> Our oh, new yeah. car, our new car, we're offering a Range Rover Vogue Stunning car to a lady or a guy who's getting married uh, On just a listener of your show, it's worth 900 yards We're going to pick them up from home and drop them to the church and bring them to their photographs. It's a stunning, stunning prize to win. Um, you can decide how they can win it. But knowing your sense of humour, I'd look for you to have somebody on who would be talking along these lines of saying, Jesus, need for the first six months, I couldn't stand him. I couldn't stand him. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they went,
1: yeah, he's actually not bad. You would love that story. We'll have You'd a bit of fun stitches. with it. We'll have a bit yeah, of fun we'll with do, it. Yeah, but we're going to give them a beautiful car free of charge I actually um, I'm actually doing something on a big wedding fair that's happening on Leeside so I'll tie in the Range Rover Evoke uh, as part of that conversation but thank you for okay, that buddy. from Cork Shofers Limited not was all there all. any one at song all. then from the 80s any one song without catching you at short notice that stands out um,
4: it would
2: be Glenn Frey You Belong to the City Don Johnson from Miami, Miami Vice that's that always sums it up for
1: me that was your anthem from the 80s was it oh that was it
2: You Belong to the City all right, my man. cheers thank for you, that my friend
1: look after yourself, take care one and only Jordan Bracken and Malcolm who worked on the door uh, on uh, the door in Elroy your thoughts are welcome, text 0868104106 it covered a lot of ground undoubtedly I've missed some, somebody actually says do you not remember Malibu's nightclub you need life insurance going in there I don't know about the life insurance point of it but I played Malibu's I think that was down, uh, wasn't it down just off that lane there, Perry Street wasn't it, Uh, just off uh, Drawbridge Street, I played the opening night in Malibu's. the night that it opened I did that gig and it was absolutely rammed if I remember correctly it was a narrow stairway it was over two floors and the dance floor was on the top and below we had two bars one down and one up but there wasn't a bar as we know it now because we are talking about the very early 80s here when you could only serve wine wine or Dubonnet uh, and uh not, not, not great drinks though and I suppose the wine would be cheap and the Dubonnet probably undrinkable but that's the way it was. But the opening night was an absolute stormer it was absolutely jammed probably because it was free entry in a free bar. I think it just kind of started to struggle after the opening night unfortunately if I remember correctly and didn't last too long but those were the days so that's Malibu's back
0: after the break the Neil Prenderville show on Twitter
1: at Neil Red FM keep your text coming text 0868104106 I'm mad keen to speak to Brian Leonard about his beloved Honda 90 Brian good morning Good morning, Neil. Thank you. Not at all, pal. It's a sad old story. I know that it was a beloved Honda 90. It was beautiful. I've seen photographs of it. I know you had it at UCC because you're studying there. I know it was robbed. I know you had a 500 euro reward, and I know that it was found ultimately burnt out. But what's the backstory to this Honda?
5: I suppose the backstory, Neil, is um, it was my son actually that had it in, in Cork in in, in college. Now uh, I'm 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 way past college now. Good man yourself, it was. it's your son. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> but um, the uh, the backstory, I suppose, is that um, I had it, I've had it for a number of years. It's a specific model that is unique to the Japanese postal service in, in Japan, and uh, it was imported here about four years ago. Um and I during I suppose when COVID hit I, I modified it and made panniers out of it you for did, um, yeah. yeah, for old army ammunition boxes and my intention was because I'd normally do a bit of touring on larger motorcycles around uh, Europe and Scotland, etc. I thought if I can't go down the German Autobahn at a hundred mile an hour, I'll go around Ireland at about uh, forty, perhaps. You know, and for um, people so, for
1: people that may not know, there's there's no real difference in looks to the Honda ninety and the beloved Honda fifty. It's the same. It's the same shape, same design, same colours. Almost identical, to be honest. Um, Gorgeous. It was
5: yeah, upgraded slightly for the for the the rigors of the Japanese postal service. Made a little bit uh, stronger, I suppose. Um, but essentially, it's the same Honda fifty that we'd all know uh, from you know the nineteen late sixties and early seventies. Now this bike so would
1: seriously looked. stand out because of the work you did in it. It was absolutely glorious. You put in gorgeous wing mirrors. You put in the side panniers. Put up the back box, and then you put on a forward panel as well. For for more carrying, I suppose. So you could go on your holidays on it. And was did he did he park it up at UCC? Was it?
5: Yeah, David had us in the underground car park. It was covered and locked, and um, and had had a cable lock around it as well. But it didn't deter uh, these guys. They came in and took it anyway. You know. Uh,
1: How did they get through that lock, though? Would they snap it or what? Um, The the cable was cut. Um,
5: so so there's a, a, a proper motorcycle cable lock was around it so it was cut either with a, a bolt cutters or or a hacksaw or a or a portable angle grinder or something something so like that so this was planned
1: it. then um he must have been watched or followed or Seen it's somewhere, possible, Neil. yeah. But I mean, that was only there for a week, so I think it could have
5: been just opportunistic. Um, you know, small bike thieves that uh, that did it. they are only young chaps now that that carried this out. But, they but do they carry
1: a bolt cutters around with us or what? With them or what? Quite likely, Neil. Like in my experience,
5: you know, I I retired in February this year. I was a I was an airport police inspector prior to that in Dublin Airport. Man. So Good out, man. Good man. have some knowledge of what goes on. Yeah and generally these guys like you can buy a, a battery powered angle grinder now in Little Aldi for about 50, 50 euros
1: but what I don't understand is like robbing it is awful joy riding on it is dreadful but what's the point in burning it out?
5: well that's the senseless part I suppose but I suppose to understand that you need to understand the psyche behind it well I mean
1: you're, you're in crime you know that was your life is, is that part of the kick do you think? I <laughs> think Look what well, you have to look at what drives us, kind
5: what of opportunity like hope you know a sense of, and a sense of trying to belong to something you know? So if it, if that's something is you know uh, being involved in crime or, or or trying to you know impress a gang or something like that there this is what young chaps will do because they don't they don't see any other hope or
1: opportunity you know, and where was it found?
5: It was found up in the Mahini area, um, close to the Water Tower. Um,
1: ah, yeah, that's
5: the graveyard. graveyard for bikes. All right, yeah, well, it certainly is. When you walk through it, it's uh, you can see what the the history is. You know,
1: yeah. Now, I've seen photographs before and after this. Mm. Yeah, they're telling me that you're going to get it. You're going to refurbish it. Is that right? Can you do that? I mean, it's just back to the chassis. <laughs> it certainly is. Um,
5: Part of uh, my 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 uh, career in policing, I I served in the Irish. Air Corps. Just move
1: around a bit, uh, Brian, because I'm losing you a bit there.
5: Sorry, Neil. I said prior to my um, stint in the airport police, I was in the Irish Air Corps, so I was an aircraft mechanic. Uh, so I have some skills in, in that area. And um, my plan is yes to to restore it to as good, if not better, than it was before. How long would that take? You need
1: parts for it, I guess, do you? you're
5: just scouring the uh, internet for them? Yeah, that's going to be the hardest the hardest uh, piece really. So, I'm lucky that I'm connected with the Vintage Japanese Motorcycle Club who are a great bunch of guys uh, and they have a lot of contacts and then the the there's a there's a company in in Dublin Retro Bikes that import a lot of quirky and unusual smaller bikes from Japan and the owner there has has uh, guaranteed me that he can you he will use his contacts in Japan uh, in order right. to source parts for me. So, uh, like the support and the generosity has been has been huge, and I wouldn't have found it at all, to be honest with you, Neil, without the the help and support um, of many many decent uh, people in Cork City who, who reached out with information and and offers of help. You know.
1: Yeah, I think when you found it, um, it was still warm, was it? Oh, it was, it had only,
5: my cousin had arrived on the scene, I suppose, about um, an hour and a half prior, and uh, he had seen the two young lads on the bike. Ah, you're um, joking me. Two fellas up in yeah. there is it? Yeah, yeah, that was that was it. Well, well David saw them riding off from, from UCC on the bike. He was studying in his room when the bike was stolen, and heard it. looked out the window and saw the two young lads heading off, you know, on on the bike, you know.
1: So, oh, can they hotwire that or what, forgive me, is it just wire it or yeah. something? Yeah. It's a relatively simple wiring system, so
5: it's it's not difficult to uh, to cross the wires and 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 power up the ignition, you
1: know. And then it's a kick start so off you go. You know, David must feel awful about it, the misfortune because it was in his his care at the time. Like, but what can you do? It, he is the young lad, you know,
5: and like he he's he had no you no real interest in general motorcycles, but
1: the little Honda. Really tickled his fancy, and um, he 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 had a great connection to it. Ah, so everybody yeah. has a love affair with the Honda Fifty or the Honda Ninety. And would you would you like them caught? Yeah, look, Neil, that's the you know
5: that's that's what should happen if crime is committed. People people should be caught and, and face the consequences. But I mean, ultimately, that isn't the solution for for the problem. Uh, these young men need some sense of. You know, something, some sense of hope and opportunity, and to apply themselves to to something more productive than than what they're at. I know,
1: but, but we've been saying not, that for many, know? many years. You know, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Nothing changes; it just gets worse, doesn't it?
5: It does if if society doesn't doesn't change and we don't put that in place, it's just going to be a continuous cycle, you know. I'd
1: love to, I'd love to stay in touch with you. So sorry it happened on our watch yeah. down here on Lee side. It's not the first time, no doubt. It won't be the last, but it would be lovely to stay in touch to see the restore job after you've got it back to a pristine condition okay. again.
5: Yeah, please do, Neil. As soon as I have those parts that are required, um, that restoration will be underway and will be swift. So I, I will I will keep you updated. And as I said, uh, I, there is nothing negative about about
1: Cork because the Cork people were absolutely outstanding in, in their response. Fair play, well uh, said. Thank you for saying that. They're hard to come by uh, Honda fifties, aren't they? Because they're very economical yeah, they're... in the days we live in now at the price of petrol. What have you?
5: <laughs> I, I took it to um, Mayo, there out to Kong and or whatever a few uh, a few weeks prior to bring it down to David uh, this year. And um, and I'm not a lightweight. I can assure. You. Um, but it's, it's, it did. It returned about 110 miles to the gallon, uh, which is uh, on that trip. So. <laughs> but can you get them? Are they available? They are available. Um, you can buy a you can buy a brand new model of us, like which is which is modernised and, and and whatever. But uh, the older ones are still available, um, and they're kept going. The, the, you know, the spare supply for the standard Honda 50s,
1: 70s, and 90s are is. is is strong, you know. They're the coolest looking thing. Wouldn't it be a great mode of transport, a Honda Fifty, if we only had the weather? <laughs> in these, in the if we can only put a roof over the little country we have, they would be ideal for the work. Yeah. All right. Well, let's 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 stay in touch with each other and see what it's like when you get the job done, Brian. All right. I'd love that, Neil. Thank you very much. All the best. Cheers. Regards to you and to David, uh, Brian Leonard.
6: I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie.
0: Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Some of the nightclubs
1: now and the late pubs are saying that they could be breaking a rule that they don't even know they're breaking. And that's a quote from The Echo today. So I'll come back to the having to book a nightclub and possibly a late bar and see if we can clear up some of the confusion. If it's clear upable uh, a little later on this morning. But from the jazz weekend, uh, barman says I was working in one of the bars in town on Friday night. I got abused and shouted at for drinks taking too long and I was totally run off my feet. Town was hell. I got shouted at, abused and people were getting sick into pint glasses. There were girls urinating up against the walls and people swinging each other round and taking hoppers. The list is endless. It was disgusting. There is no money in the world worth the abuse we put up with across the long weekend. People were psychotic. Don't give up my details. And there's an example of what one bar person had to to contend with across the Bank Holiday uh, weekend. Lots of people texting with regards to the death of the wazi at the weekend I will come back to all of that I promise you uh, and also my conversation with Paul and good luck to him on his uh, his cancer journey and the latest round of treatment he's very strong in body and on mind and we're wishing him well. Uh, Suzanne was back in touch and uh, everything is up and running now. Dave the carpenter is coming up to the special needs school for kids in Mayfield. There's 70 of them up there we got him a hot tub and we got him a carpenter yesterday so as she says we're on the road um, and lots more besides to get through uh, text 0868 uh, 106 lines are open but i'm just conscious of a very busy morning phone wise this morning so i need to keep on moving forward you, you may be a fan of um operation transformation they call it a rte's big juggernaut show huge with ratings. Many, many people watch it. Uh, 14 series later, it still goes from strength to strength. And the next um, Operation Transformation hits your screens on RTE in January of 2022. Not, not everybody is happy with it. And there is a petition online now that has just passed, uh, a fast approaching 5,000 signatures for Operation Transformation to be taken off our television screens totally. Uh, I want to chat about that, but Um, Here's possibly an example of why those behind wanting it taken off the air want it. Taken off the air. Uh, this is a clip of Dr. Ava Orsmond. There's um, also different clips that we have for you, including Dr. Kira Kelly and the nutritionist uh, Eva Ahern uh, speaking to contestants in previous series. This is just an example.
7: Charlotte, let's let's face the facts. You are very unhealthy for your young age. This program is about getting people healthy and making them to stay there program is about spirit and to be honest i'm a little bit annoyed to see you there in your tears okay. i've said this to you before and i'm saying it to you too again please cup on and wipe those tears and work hard next week i want an absolute detailed diet diary i want to know what you are doing every moment i want to see you winner in a okay. guest time in a healthy weight.
5: okay did you feel that everything was going to be okay after that? Like, because you no, had checked into go- your food?
1: I knew it wasn't going to be okay because I was a bit worried about today. But I worked my socks off the week before, knowing I had the day coming up. You're supposed to work hard every week. This
6: week was an abomination and I was embarrassed for you and I was disgusted to see you. You let the programme down, you let your followers down and with respect to Eilish, you let yourself down. Operation Transformation is about the country getting healthy and one of our five leaders went out this week and got drunk on TV That's and thought true, it was great. Okay, I I it's, didn't what get drunk.
7: it's what it looked like. And I think, you know, Eddie said last week, old John, old habits, new John, new habits. I don't think we've seen new John. I don't believe there's been any change, to be honest. There are people around the country who are looking up to you as their leader. And if I was sitting at home watching you now, I'd be like, what is he doing? Like, seriously, what is he doing?
4: Well, I feel bad for
1: them, but I feel bad for myself as well.
7: But it's within your control, John. That's the thing. Other people watching TV can't change you. You can change you.
1: I think that kind of name-calling or dressing people down, if that was happening to me, it would frighten the life out of me to lose weight. But uh, nonetheless, Sinead Crowe is the nutritionist and co-founder of Intuitive Eating Ireland, joins me by phone. She's behind the petition. Sinead, good morning. Good morning, Neil. how are you doing? Good, thank you. Um, why do you want to take an off TV?
6: Well I don't know I mean first of all just to add like them clips I suppose were from a couple of years back and you know they're they're horrific but I think that you know Dr. Ava and Dr. Kira Kelly are no longer on the show which I think it is important to include that but I think in recent years and I've watched last year and the previous year you know it's become it might not be as overtly fat shaming and berating of the participants but you know it's quite subtle um, there all the time you know they're bringing people onto the show in kind of minimal clothing weighing them on national television you know, giving them these unrealistic weight loss targets each week and incredibly, you know, low calorie diets to follow. I mean, I I looked at one of the participants last year and her diet was approximately 1500 calories a day. I mean, for a a menstruating active female, this is incredibly low. I mean, if you look at what maybe an eight year old active female needs to be taken in roughly around 1800. So you can see that it's really problematic. And ultimately it's it's normalized. I
1: mean, you're the nutritionist now and I bow to your knowledge but I would have thought you would have to drop three or 400 calories a week to start losing weight now
6: Well, ultimately, when you look at the research, we know that these low calorie diets, they work short term. So like all of these participants, will lose weight short term. Absolutely. Some of them have lost a couple of stone in the the few weeks that they're on it. But long term, we know that the research shows within a two to five year window, um, these people do not maintain that weight loss. And in fact, 82 percent will gain more weight than what they started with. The research does not back up that this is an evidence-based practice. It simply is not.
1: Um, I was quite alarmed actually hearing those clips because it's not a program that I watch. So I can't talk about that with any particular opinion. But when I hear terms like an abomination, I'm embarrassed for you, I'm disgusted to see you, um, it's fairly heavy hitting. Like it would be very impactful on somebody who couldn't handle that, wouldn't it?
6: Absolutely. The impact on mental health, you know, when we speak to people like that. And ultimately, this is what this show does. We are living in a very fat phobic society and you know many of us uh, including myself I had to work through a lot of my own anti-fat bias and anti-fat attitudes we kind of think we can speak to people like this that maybe are living in bigger bodies and we can kind of assume that they you know, should have control over their weight and that they're lazy and all of these other anti-fat attitudes that are so problematic and they're contributing to weight stigma which we know the research shows weight stigma is literally killing people
1: you know it's really harmful Mind you RT did come back And they said that uh, they don't regard it as being a type of program that you regarded as being. They don't see it as a weight loss series, they said, but as health and well-being promoting um, a holistic approach. We have professional qualified dietitian is only one of the panel. They've um, also got a psychologist, physical exercise, uh, self-care, well-being featuring it. They, They don't see it as weight loss as such.
6: Yeah, I mean, look at all of that really is just, you know, wolf in sheep's clothing. I mean, it's nearly laughable if it wasn't so serious that RTE can come back and reply to me to say that they don't view it as a weight loss show. I mean, their logo is a weighing scale. They come on and they weigh people on national television. They give them these weight loss targets, everything. The, the The transformation is fundamentally about weight loss. for them to dress it up uh, because it's more palatable now to use language like health and well-being and lifestyle change etc. It is very obvious that this is a diet and that this is a weight loss show Um, you know I think the reason
1: And it's there you're saying just to do one thing and that is to drive ratings to RT's channel
6: Absolutely, and the experts on the panel have acknowledged that, that like weight loss shows sell. You know, that, that's the reality. Weight loss sells faster than most things. They did try to do a show. I, I'm not aware of exactly the details of it, but the dietitian informed me that they'd done a, you know, a show around health and well-being where the focus wasn't on weight loss, and there was very few viewers, and that's the problem. We're all fixated and, and focused on weight loss, and we want to see these... And why do
1: people watch these shows? Do they look at it and say, oh my God, I'm glad I don't look like that, oh my God, that's awful, look at all that With do, do they look at them as some sort of a character or some, uh, you know Yeah, uh, I mean I think so many people will relate to a lot of the stories
6: that maybe they also um, you know, they also bring in participants that often have, you know, maybe um, have experienced some kind of trauma and, uh, and people buy into that story then and they kind of want to follow that individual along their journey and I do believe that a lot of people sit back in their chair in January and maybe are also feeling not great about themselves and maybe weight that they've gained in the previous year and all the New Year's resolution etc but also again that they feel well at least I'm not uh, well at least I'm not that bad you know and this is, this again is what contributes to weight
1: stigma this But is do people to watch them science. do people watch the show and r- t- giggle at the contestants or ridicule them or think it's well, funny
6: Unfortunately, I have had people that will say that their family might watch it, and they and they make comments about people's bodies on the show and what they're doing or not doing or what they're eating or not eating. This is like again comes back to the problem in society where we think it's appropriate to comment on somebody's body, whether that's weight loss, weight gain, you know, etc. It's all incredibly problematic, and it's not appropriate.
1: It's a big seller, though. The whole topic, isn't it? Because if if diets worked, we wouldn't still have diets, so we wouldn't. I mean, there's books and TV shows and all sorts of of, you know, quick exactly. fixes and it just most of them don't work.
6: Absolutely, I mean, I, I I fundamentally believe, and I said this to the executive producer of our operation transformation, and I said it to um, the commissioning editor of RTE. They have a duty of care to at least inform the public of the harms that this show might uh, might um, you know contribute to, and also they have a duty of care at this point heading into their fifteenth season or series. To at least look at what's the research I mean it's nearly laughable they told me that they'd done a poll of 1500 people and that 74% said that they you know engaged in, in one or more positive um, healthful behaviours and, and I'd done a similar poll on our Instagram page of 1500 people and 88% said that they were harmed from the show so you know that, that kind of poll just shows that it's not In what
1: way harmed research. if they continue to watch it and probably come back and watch the next series and have you what have you?
6: Well one example was and it was really quite heartbreaking because we're seeing an increase in eating disorders. I had an email from a young teenager who said that she followed the program because her mum was following it and she became obsessed with calorie counting and step counting and within a matter of months she developed anorexia. And that is the harm of having this kind of program on at an early time in the afternoon or evening where children and teenagers could be watching it. Parents don't realize how problematic it is. And then their children get a bit obsessed about calories and reducing their calories. And, you know, we are seeing it. There was a 32% increase in presentations for people with eating disorders in 2020. And I bet if
1: you drill into that stat, you'd find that the age profile is getting younger.
6: It's getting younger. And we also know that only up to 15% of people that are struggling with their relationship with food actually seek professional help. So that means there's about 85% of people that don't even go forward for treatment or diagnosis, etc.
1: Yeah, I mean, somebody says here, if you don't shame the obese, how will they know they're obese and how will they ever change? You know, they they used to call it tough love.
6: No, I mean, look, it's, it's, we, we need to we need to nip that in the bud pretty like you know, pretty quickly. We know that shame does not motivate positive behaviour change the research is absolute on that and, you know, again, coming back to, you know, thinking that it's appropriate to shame and berate somebody about mm. you know, what their body looks like thats Well,
1: maybe they'd be inclined of, the next week to put in the work though because they won't want to get that dressing down the week after, no?
6: Well, to be honest, if it comes to being on the show, I do think that because people are behind the ca- they're on camera, um, I do think that the anxiety and the stress around needing to lose weight for them a few weeks it, it likely would make some changes when you're on a show like that. But the audience, the the viewers at home, four hundred and forty thousand, I think, watched it last year. They're not going to be in front of that camera. And yes, short term it might push you to restrict yourself and, and intentionally deprive yourself of food, but it's not a long term solution. Know, I
1: know. No, people people just love to watch car crash television, don't they? Yes, and, I mean, absolutely. It's amazing. Like the, the one or two bits that I did see, I always found it bizarre because you have the likes of Catherine Thomas, who looks stunning and is fabulously dressed and presents herself so well, and unfortunately next to her on a scales then is is a woman in her underwear who clearly is overweight, and I say, oh my god, it looks so wrong. <sighs>
6: it does and you know I just want to make the point too like that these you know the preventer and, and the experts you know they're they're not that it's not about targeting those that are in. No, I'm not, I'm not either, saying that but it's
1: just the contrast no, it just it, it, it does, jars exactly. with me you know.
6: it, it, it is problematic absolutely you know and I think a lot more people realise that you know I've had a lot of messages with people, from people that have like large platforms on Instagram that, you know, signed the petition and agree with what we're doing. But because of those involved, you know, lot of people really like Catherine Thomas. She's amazing. But the reality of it is is that this show, it fundamentally comes back to the producing of it and the people that are putting it out there, as opposed to, I suppose, the people that are involved directly, you know. You
1: said that it contributes to anti fat bias. And we assume <laughs> then that uh, people that look like the participants are deemed to be lazy. Mm-hmm. you say that they don't look after them they're deemed, they're deemed to be people who don't look after themselves and sit and eat McDonald's every day and never exercise and that's a dangerous message
6: uh- Absolutely. Well, this is like, this is anti-fat bias and, mm. you know, is our weight stigma is ultimately the negative attitudes and stereotyping and discriminating of people in bigger bodies, where we have these assumptions societally, where people in bigger bodies are lazy and don't care about their health, they're unmotivated, or are undisciplined, um, you know, are unattractive. This is what anti-fat bias is, and it simply isn't true. It, you know, it actually it is, you know, it's actually rooted in racism, which is, you know, if anybody's interested in reading Fearing the Black black body by spring strings that will outline exactly how we've come to evolve to have this dislike for people in bigger bodies you, and it's incredibly harmful
1: okay we, but you you would acknowledge that we have a weight problem on this planet and certainly in this country um and that it is, I, I believe it is impacting hugely problem. on our health system but you believe this is not the way to fix it
6: I think we've got a huge diet problem. You know, um, you know we can look and say statistically, is, uh, you know, are, are, are our population's weight increasing? Um, yes, but when we look across the board, we look at 44% of the world's population is currently on a diet. We know that diets do not work. We know that diets increase people's weight over time. People end up weight cycling where they lose a significant yeah. amount of weight. They gain back more, and that's what's contributing to the problem. We're not looking at health-promoting behaviours, which if we did you know, people's bodies would find a way that it's actually comfortable at. We are designed as humans to be active and to be able to run and to be energized. But our body can find that place by looking at nutrition and coming at it from a neutral point of view, But able to add in nutrient-dense foods and finding movement that you enjoy and all the rest of the health-promoting behaviours as opposed to being weight-centric.
1: Yeah, um, okay, we could get get into advertising and marketing and the companies that sell these products pretending that they're healthy when they're actually not, perhaps on another day. But that's off-muration transformation. But what about the likes of, say, I don't see any petition for Love Island, for instance, where body images are completely unrealistic when you look at them. I mean, do you have an issue well, with that? I think,
6: uh, well, I think last year, that, well, there is issues that are raised every year around the fact that there's little to no body diversity on any of these shows. I mean, that was raised last year. I don't know if there an exact petition, but I think it does come up every season that you know a lot of people, while again, we tune into the love story, we tune in for the drama of it all, but yeah, it's setting this idea that the people that are on Love Island it's less than like you know a couple of percent of the world's population their body size I mean you know most of us do not look like that
1: but uh, yeah I'm just wondering about the the message that's given out to young people like for instance Madonna last week was caught faking her pics we saw what she really looked like and we saw the finished product up on maybe your Instagram page and then there was a double spread, spread in the, one of the red tops last week that gave loads of other famous people unfortunately most of them women who had doctored their photographs mm. their face and their weight and their, their yeah. face and their waist w- what message is that putting out? And why sure would Madonna course. need to it's do it of course in her, her 60s a problematic
6: message but imagine being Madonna in this industry where you've got to look quote unquote perfect and, and thin etc so I don't necessarily blame Madonna I think it's the whole diet culture that's incredibly toxic that these women who are beautiful feel that they have to be somewhat smaller or less cellulite or less wrinkles etc this is the whole problem it's not Madonna that's to blame it's the bigger wider issue at play but of course well, that well, surely
1: Madonna is to blame though that she's not comfortable as how she the way she looks in real life and instead fakes it with the public.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right in that she's a responsibility and I do believe that the practice of photoshopping and, and filtering all of your pictures, etc. online is really problematic. And of course, it's sending the message to maybe her younger audience that this is what she looks like when in fact that isn't what she looks like. I do think that's a problem. I certainly don't advocate for photoshopping in any way at all. But I think it still comes back to the bigger picture of all of these women that are in this industry and the pressure and how they get slated. I mean, if you look at any of the magazines, you know if you know they have you know pictures of of them torn apart on the beach or if they 're in the bikini and you know they have any belly rolls how they 're you know completely ridiculed um so again it comes back to the system that's toxic
1: yeah you can see the toxicity of it when you have um uh, what chef was it last week whose daughter was called Chubby? Chubby Ramsey. It was, it, was it Gordon Ramsey's daughter, wasn't it she Daughter, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was called Chubby by an LBC broadcaster who ultimately. It was an awful thing to call anybody, particularly a young 19 year old girl. He had to apologise for that.
6: Well, he did. His daughter Tilly, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry. Them. Yeah. Yeah, it was, Tilly, yeah. I think, like, you know, we've still missed the message, though. He apologised for calling her chubby, but I think that the reality of it is is that the problem is that he commented on her body full stop, you know, a 19-year-old girl. It was completely inappropriate. And I think also, it's when we apologise for saying chubby or using the word fat, etc., we're still kind of sending the message that chubby, being chubby or fat is a bad thing. And it's not. It's that, you know, he shouldn't have commented on her. No, he shouldn't. Big, little, or small.
1: Yeah, he shouldn't. The reaction was very positive with regards to Tilly. I mean, she came out and said, you know, listen. Uh, I'm nineteen. Yeah. Year old, I'm nineteen years old. You know, you need to be. Yeah. You need to be cognizant of my age and the age of young people my age and how it can affect us. But, but actually, the, why do why can't we use the word fat anymore? We 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 tend to kind of skirt and dance around it, but it is actually what it is, right?
6: Well, absolutely it's a neutral descriptor and there, you know there's a but
1: you know, I, get the, it, I, get it, I get i get i get i get grief when i use it on the air is is that right if i use the word
6: well it, i i think it also depends on the context that you're using it if you're using it as a neutral descriptor it's very different to how it has been used and still is used as you know to insult people i think that's a very different that's a very different ball game but of course fat people are you know reclaiming that word as a neutral descriptor that it doesn't come with all these negative connotations So, you know, I personally on our Instagram page use it as a neutral descriptor because I've had to work through my own fat phobia to come to the place where I truly know in my heart it's not a bad word to use. Mm. So that's taken me some time. And, you know, I think that it's important that we continue to do this work as a society because we do need to, um, you know, know that it's fat is not bad.
1: Okay, just um, with regards to uh, oh, just finally on Operation Transformation. Can you tell me, do they ever go back then uh, throughout the other series and go back to former contestants to see how they're getting on?
7: to
6: my knowledge no and when they leave there is zero aftercare and I have spoken to mm-hmm. I think around seven or eight past participants and none of them wanted to maybe come forward which was you know in terms of um, publicly which is which is absolutely fair enough but I think that I've spoken to every one of them and their their experience was horrific um, some people felt bullied and pushed into talking about really distressing things that they didn't want to talk about just for the, the drama effect on the show
1: Okay and so you're telling me you've actually spoken to former contestants of Operation Transformation Contestants is wrong. Participants. Uh, Participants, And they've told you they wish they'd never gone on it in the first place?
6: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have not uh, spoken to one person who told me it was a positive experience to be on the show
1: okay
6: like okay. imagine 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 your community coming behind you for the month of January and February and you lose all of this significant weight and everybody's applauding you and it's amazing and within six or eight months or a year later you have that couple of stone and more put back on imagine trying to go back out into your community like people experience real oh social God. anxiety and social withdrawal it's just horrendous and there is no follow up aftercare. so I say you know I, again I just have, I've not spoken to anybody yeah, yeah depression absolutely. I mean I'm not saying that there's nobody that enjoyed it. There might be, but I personally haven't spoken to anybody.
1: We have a Twitter poll going at the moment and I know that you have uh, a petition and you're going for 5,000. Uh, you're not too far off it. Uh, where can people sign up if they want to either, you know, back you or, or, yeah. or not?
6: Yeah, so I suppose look at our Instagram is Ireland, and we've got the link in our bio where you can come and sign and sign the petition, you know. Um, so any, any support would greatly be appreciated. But I, I mean, I'm not sure what change we're going to see realistically until um, I think, you know, like yourself and, and I appreciate you having this conversation. It's been quite difficult to get any media to have this discussion because this is a show that's widely uh, enjoyed, I think, by the public for, and they don't realise actually how problematic it is.
1: Yeah. Operation Transformation is dangerous to your health. We have a poll on Twitter at the moment at Neil Red FM asking the simple question, is Operation Transformation a weight loss show? You vote yes or no. Extraordinarily, two thirds of people that have voted so far say yes, it is a weight loss show. So a lot of people seem to believe uh, that what you're saying is correct, um, that it is just about weight loss, 65 percent of them.
6: Well I'm glad people agree and I hope more people can become aware of the the fact that but, it is
1: But yet they probably watch it that's the thing you know you know the way society yes. is you
6: know? the, tr- the truth of it is Neil I don't see there been any change to the show unless the viewership uh, drops and that's the reality I don't think they'll decide to revisit this or question what they're doing until people stop watching it and that okay. is the reality
1: ok do stay in touch so if people want to get in touch and get involved in the petition itself you said it's intuitive dot eating. what? .ireland. .ireland. Good for you, Sinead. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks Stay so in touch. Jerry Sinead Crow, nutritionist and co-founder of Nutritionist Eating Intuitive Eating Ireland. Um, your thoughts on that are welcome, incidentally, if you are a viewer of Operation Transformation, which, which I'm not, so I bow to your guys' better knowledge. The little bits of it that I, I did see in passing, uh, I just thought, no, that's not for me, but who cares about that? You're the ones that matter. Text 0868-104-106. Talk
0: to Neil Printerville now. 1851
1: Okay, we got some texts to 0868104106 on Operation Transformation. Just ahead of that, though, people are changing, though, or at least they're attempting to live a better lifestyle with regards to what they eat and what they drink. And I certainly see it with drink. Have you seen the popularity of Heineken Zero, whether it's on draft or whether it's in bottles? I see it an awful lot with the bottles because you can't really tell what people are drinking in pints. But you see Heineken Zero flying off the shelves now by bottle and also on on draft. And actually, um, I don't know whether you've tried the um, Guinness Zero. I mean, I've tried it. It's incredible. If you put two pints of Guinness up in front of you and you had a pint of Guinness regular and you had a pint of non-alcoholic Guinness, the 0.0 Guinness Draft, I'd I'd, I'd say in a blind taste, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I mean, it's an incredible product. So much so that pubs, I see a pub in in uh, in Tralee were so mad keen to get in the non-alcoholic Guinness that they were told they'd be waiting they're on a waiting list until potentially February such as the demand for it now it's a bit of a finicky thing because um, it involves a can going into a unit and a kind of a pull down uh, lever and it's slow and it's cumbersome so if you, somebody orders three or four pints of of um, 0.0 Guinness stout be fifteen minutes pulling it, but it's an amazing the taste of it. It's incredible, and a lot of people are opting for it because you like the taste, and you still get into your car and drive, and you're not half caught or you're not hung over in the morning. And and then you think about the stout market. Heineken now have brought out a stout. I think it's called Island's Edge. It's a Heineken stout. I think I'm open to correction on this, but I think they're only trialing it in Dublin now. If I'm wrong and it's in the Midlands and other places, well and good. But I don't know if it's down on the side yet, which is Heineken's answer. capturing some of the stout market. But the 0.0 Guinness... If they got it into draft where it didn't involve cans and pulleys and waiting and fidgety dan things, then be an awful lot faster to get it out and get it uh, across the counter. Anyway, just a thought. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Operation Transformation and other such shows are abusing vulnerable people. Another one here on the Operation Transformation topic. I love the show. I love the emotion that comes from contestants and how they're made feel good at the last episode. I'd rather watch Operation Transformation with my children than a show like Love Island where everyone is filled with plastic and much more unhealthy. Those clips, incidentally, that you played, Neil, are from years ago and they were apologised for. I do love Operation Transformation each year. I find it inspiring, not insulting. I watch the programme once and never again. Heartbreaking to see people being ridiculed and hurt emotionally. Maeve from the Weight Wellbeing Clinic Um, Thank you for that and continued success with the work that you do, which doesn't involve, I'm sure, uh, ridicule and being hurt emotionally. That's a good way to sum up, um, you know, certainly the clip that I played. How are overweight people any different from anti-vaxxers? They're taking up hospital beds for weight related heart issues, diabetes, etc. They do not have a social responsibility to keep hospital beds free during the pandemic. Why not? I'm sick of pussyfooting around things like this. People need to take responsibility for their own health and weight, says Dave. And another fast text here. If you don't shame the obese, how will they know that they're obese? Text 0868 on that to the phone lines. Vincent, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Is, how are you? I'm good. Is it a, uh, progr- is, is a program that you watch?
4: It, ha- it has been, yeah. And the points Sinead have made, I often thought about it. Uh, uh, and I I, my response would be very positive to Sinead because one area that had never ever dealt with on Operation Transformation and I couldn't believe it was the mental health issue not alone mental health and there is a difference, mental illness and mental health right, as I told you before I I had a huge drink problem mental health issue, I actually went, I remember 10 years ago to 38 waifs Wow. you know, and I was normally 32
1: and I know and you, I, was, I know you that kind of weight and your height and your fit that wouldn't have suited you at all
4: but the reason I went to 38 ways was, and the, uh, people never address this, there are many many people in Ireland, I'd say about a million people with depression or mental health issue. a lot of them are on medication nearly all of the, the medication that's prescribed for mental health is weight gaining, is it? That- yeah, nearly all of it is weight gaining. That's the reason I put on the weight because I was really bad with bipolar at that particular time. Yeah, You know, 10 years ago, I remember walking down the mall. Uh, it's about 10 or 11 years ago and I, like, I was well-known because i working for three decades in the city centre. and But from the top of the mall to the end of the mall, I was stopped four times. People said hello to me and I stopped. I'd say four times and every one of them said, you put on weight. You put on weight. I had a man last week uh, said to me, you're putting on weight again. You know? I think,
1: I think it's an appalling thing to say to anybody. And what was the message from the four on the mall? Were they being critical or was it conversational or, or what? I,
4: I told them I, had, I was out here. I wasn't working in the mentor trade anymore. And they said, oh God, and they said, oh God you put on weight. They, they, they included in the conversation, you put on weight. That's quite common now. You know, even with family members, if you take in-laws, nieces, nephews, uh, brothers, sisters, that's quite common. Or oh, you, they, they often say, "Oh, you need to lose weight." I in would never, decades, I would never comment on somebody's weight. I, I have a, I have heard it several times in three decades working in saddle, or the menswear trade, and uh, best of wherever, And the um, uh, we
1: never ever commented on a person's weight when they we couldn't buy they would never buy from you and they'd never come back if they ever did buy yeah. something they're stuck but, but in it, there to be but assaulted it, but, but it's a free for all now like you can, but hold, like, hold on a second when they said to you on the mall I'm just thinking here thanks Emer. I'm just thinking maybe you had lost too much weight and they were complimenting you for putting on a couple of pounds no no, no
4: I, I, at that time I was on heavy medication and I had put on a load of weight I had gone to 38 waist, and everybody because I, I, you know me I was Trim and fit and slim. At one stage, I was 42 two eight I was always 44. But when I was really bad, the point I'm making with mental health,
1: my weight shot up. But maybe and they were saying, fair play to you, you put on a bit of weight and it was a compliment, no? No, Just,
4: no, no, no. Okay. no, no. It, it, every time you're it's it said to you about putting on weight in Ireland or in Cork, it's a negative comment and it's it's not a nice thing for anybody of any age to
1: hear. I, mean, nah, I don't know about that, you, that. I mean, I like, well, you no, know, no, no, we all, no, we've no, all been no, in situations no. where people have said, Jesus, you look great. You might say, but you look never, great for your age, but they say, Jesus, you look great, you're in great shape.
4: No, well, like people say, if you're in great... But, but I'm talking about people that, that put on weight.
1: No, when you, you said any time that anybody says anything, it's, about, it's always negative about putting on weight, and I'm saying that's not always the case.
4: No? I think, I think it is. I think the whole fat thing is... Like, the fat shaming... Like it's incredible. Like the like, if you're anyway overweight today, like you're in Ireland, it's like you're you're a disgrace. How did you, you know, feel about you go, that then? you, know, people, did you exercise? Yeah, you know, that's yeah. like if you're overweight. It and the reason a lot, the, the reason a lot of people we eat chalk and weed stuff. And I said this to you before, is because of mental health. When you're depressed and down and sitting on the couch and you're not feeling well people reach for the easy things the chocolate the biscuits and it's related to your mental health that's the point I'm it yeah uh, that's comfort that's comfort eating isn't it but the overall thing like you see people like me I have no problem coming on talking about mental health but I can guarantee you and I've said this to Pascal Sheehy last week online if you look at Cork and Kerry just take Cork and Kerry alone the instance of mental health issues in Cork and Kerry is colossal, and there's at least one a week in Cork and Kerry taking their own life. Oh, yeah. That's a fact. Yeah. Nobody wants to address the issue of mental health, and all of that is related. Like. That should be inbuilt in the program Operation Transformation well, on mental health. the, and the other thing the, is... Well, I don't know, is, but
1: they, cla- they claim that it is part of the show. I can't say because no, I don't watch not, it, but I do not. see the logo that they... I do you see... I, I do see yeah. the logo that they use and the, and the logo is a big wing scales. Yeah,
4: exactly. You see, it's all... Progress. Like, they put up the fat person and people love watching that and look at him, he lost X number of pounds. I actually saw somebody who was on the show a number of years ago uh, during this summer and they were heavier, I'd say, than they ever were.
1: Well, that's so, very sad uh, to hear because it must have yeah, a terrible impact on them having gone through this. It's that
4: about you one presenting the show. You look, I was looking online at Anna Geary last night and she's saying, she's basically saying to the world in her article, look at my body. I'm healthy, I'm fit, I'm great. But she cool, but I'm but good.
1: no well I didn't you see know? that article. I don't know what what messages were but she started, but she is no. healthy. She is healthy and she is fit. It's
4: good for her, but there's no need to be telling the world about it, you know what I mean? Uh, and making other people feel guilty, you know? Uh, it, I think, but does it not act as a
1: catalyst, though? Maybe light a fire under somebody's. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get inspiration from people like her and others like her to change my life around to lose a bit of weight. And the other point about it is right, <laughs> and this is a fact, and
4: this is an absolute fact. Many people would take go off and do a bit of exercise, and go to the gym or whatever, and go for a walk. Right? In the case of mental health and mental illness many of them are not even able to get up off the chair so there's no uh, sympathy or empathy with those people at all yeah. people who have mental illness and who are trying to do exercise they can, and many them, like wouldn't he go out for a walk there's no understanding what well, the point i'm making to
1: you there's is no understanding there's there's no that somebody understanding who is in the depths of depression or has mental health issues just can't even walk out the front door
4: i i, I was there I was there. I was there, you know, and uh, you know, and, 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 and today and listening to you, there are many people in Cork and Kerry and all over the country who have mental health issues. And if you ask, the guy who worked in the bar that, that, that sent an email into you yesterday, just listen to the behavior of the people. in the public. I, have, I have said this for an awful long time, uh, that there are many people out there with undiagnosed mental health issues. It's huge. You look at the behaviour from the guy working in the bar, the way the people were behaving in the bar. I saw it in the city centre, the way people behave. I look around society today. Just look around society. But there are people... I mean,
1: why, why would you say that's mental health? they are just people who can't handle their drink, or they just go too far, or they don't have any kind of off button when it comes to cop on, you know?
4: I'd say the best people ask there... they are, like, some people go literally crazy, you know, so... I don't know. I say a policeman now would be but would be a better okay. man to ask than that. Okay. And are a lot, what I am saying to you is, there's a lot of undiagnosed mental health and
1: stress but, issues Okay. Out there. Okay. So how a then? Issue. How then did you turn it around? Then it wasn't. It wasn't with the help of shows like Operation Transformation. How was it? Like my, my, my
4: like my first protocol, the, the big problem I had was drink binge drinking. That was a huge problem, and I got a fantastic therapist in Tosnew New in Ballincollig. was an absolutely wonderful, wonderful person and I am forever grateful to her for staying off the drink. I went off off it and I stayed off it and I went to her for many, every single week for a long time and I stuck to the thing. And the one thing with mental health, getting alcohol off the table was the game changer. Okay, okay. And when you say binge
1: drinking, what do you mean by binge drinking?
4: Binge drinking is like drinking for two days. Right. And, and then so not drinking. Going into the pub and not coming out. You know, yeah. So I give myself great credit, you know, for for, for doing that and staying off it. That then I sure. had to go on medication. Then we had to do lots of cognitive behavioral therapy, and I still do that. I found the AWARE meetings, which are off for the last two years. I found them. I used, I used to go to the meetings into the meetings every single week and I found them absolutely fantastic but I worked my socks off I dug deeper than any person Mm. I dug deeper than any Dublin player that won X number of all arrows I showed great bottle grit and character in dealing with bipolar I have no problem talking about it but there are many people who would look at me and say and I see it in Cork that guy is off his head he's not wired right you know all the negative stigma, stigmatized comments that you get from people. It's appalling, I didn't and then throw in on top it to say to somebody you, you lost weight or you need to lose weight. It's an appalling way. The way people, the way people behave today, I find it absolutely appalling. I've come from the bottom of the barrel myself, and I dug myself out of it with the help of others. And it's but right it's to Neil, it yeah. was me who did it and the last thing the therapist said to me the last day we met she said uh, I said I'm very grateful to you she said I was only with you for one hour a week you did it and that was a great thing to say and I still think of that
1: sounds like a great therapist I, I and, was, you, and you were right to give yourself credit for you certainly deserve it Yeah, and it's on.
4: only now I can give myself credit and it's only now even after 60 years that I give myself great credit for the things I've done and the thing you know like I was very critical of myself for many for, so one of the great things I've done uh, uh, the greatest thing I will ever do is, is, is that is giving up the drink and turning my life around and dealing with the bipolar on a daily basis, I write down every single thing every day, every single thing, what to do today, what to do tomorrow what to do, you know and uh, the the. Um, and you
1: stick to that rigidly then
4: I do, I have to plan a day because a day can go off kilter and the huge thing that in the last six months or eight months I've been trying to deal with is anger you know, not You know, a guy rubbed me up the wrong way recently and I walked away, I said well done.
1: Why would you have been I, liable to do I, if you weren't able to control it? How would you have reacted?
4: You get, you. You just shoot from the hip, you know, you get angry you get instantly angry and it's a problem that I have, it's a personality thing maybe but I think it comes with the mental health and that
1: You don't read into things too deeply, do you, where the anger kicks in for something somebody says? Anger
4: will kick in with a lot of people. Like, if you take it, we have no, I have no release valve now of going on the batter, (laughs) you know, and I can drink 10 or 15 pints. It's a great release valve that way, you know. You have, like, uh, O'Sheen Murphy, the jockey, he had a bad day recently and he went on the batter. He never showed up uh, at the race course, you know. So if you have a bad day, that's what I found. If I I had a bad day, I drank 20 pints and 20 gin and tonics, you know. In a so, day? Yeah, in a day. Yeah. In, it, it, in the night. Like, I'd spend... I'd go in at five into the rendezvous and I never left it. And outside the door, at 1am, was a taxi. I remember the place I loved was the Slate Bar. It's gone now. It used to be on Poppy Street. i to sit at the bar and drink gin and tonic like... Yeah, by the... I'd drink it all night. You know? Oh, God. And, uh, you wouldn't want that end, life back. Three or four... I just put three or four bottles of wine but when I came home chill wine into the fridge you know have it in the fridge so when I come home I could have after uh, fast food I could have wine
1: before I go to bed you know and how long I'm did that sure. go how long did that go on for that cycle
4: I was drinking heavy for 20 20 years it took me 20 years to realise you know that this was I had gone over the edge you know and could you uh, function the next day then no, I remember, I was only thinking about it yesterday. Best men's were opened at my points, and we had—we were just about to open, and the bosses invited us for drinks. It was in Douglas setting, somewhere at a pub in Douglas anyway. And I was absolutely gutted and so disappointed when the bar closed. I only thought about it yesterday morning. You know, that was—I remember that—that that was the, a sign I had a real, real problem. It was like the whole world caved in that the, the night was ending wow. at, say, 12 or half 12, and it was finishing up. And I just simply wanted an. And what time. was it
1: then, the right. rush to get home to get more, was it?
4: Yeah, and I, I was starting moving into operating a new business, you know, then. So it was then, with all the pressure and the whole thing of going into Best, whilst I might have looked quite well, and we were doing well, I was going on crazy vendors. And there the slide started really incredibly from that 18 months investments were of where, when you have pressure, and we were doing phenomenal figures, and I was driving myself to the limit, you know, and then I was drinking more, drinking more, drinking more, and then uh, just, I just, I had to stop the car one day, and I went into a doctor in Cherry. I couldn't go on, and that was the start of it. You know, and it's, it's been a long, long journey. That's like Best open in 2005 and 2008. It's now 2021. Like I'm dealing with the mental health and uh, addiction for 10 or 12 years. So if you take leading up to that, I was drinking heavy for 20 years. Crikey. So it's that's a huge. I often get depressed about that in the fact that, you know, all of the the lost time in my life that I could have been doing something else. You know. Mm. You know. Mm. But the great thing about it, I did huge amount of counselling. I went to my mind, I went to different people, I went to people I did, I liked, I went to people I didn't like, I went online and I did counselling and counselling and counselling and I peeled off all the layers on the pages and I found, I, I in the end I found one of the problems why did this happen and I was delighted I found it because of abuse in the National School, mm. physical abuse mm. you know, physical abuse uh, that had a huge effect on me in uh, in later life when, uh, from when I went to national school into secondary I didn't open my mouth in De La Salle secondary school you know in McCroom mm-hmm. uh, I was the quietest boy in the class because we were clasped up to bits inside mm-hmm. national school so it took me it took me 10 years to find that out and I, that's another area where I give myself great. Counsel. So you had
1: to do, I mean, it should come as inspiration to people listening, the sense that you can get there, but also to acknowledge that it takes incredible work on your own behalf, incredible it, effort. It, it's it, a it grind.
4: Takes incredible work. Yeah. Okay. And one video I love, I'm a big sports fan and I'm a big JF, and I play it every week. It's one minute and, and 50 seconds. And it's, uh, he was a great friend of mine, Paddy O'Shea. Uh, and it's the grain of rice video where he's motivating a team in up in Westmead, and he's doing a team talk. And he many GA players watch it, but it's I use that as a motivational tool. As a great admirer, you have like what I did. I dug and I dug and I dug and I dug, and I kept working at it and working at it. I work at it today, but okay. I don't want anybody coming along to me and saying to me, "You can't wait." Okay. okay. If I go down a hill with bipolar... Uh, or you have to go on medication I don't want anybody coming up to, um, to me and saying oh you put on weight you feel like I'll be honest with you Neil you feel like clocking him well listen
1: you know, we'll, we'll finish We'll finish there we'll finish where we started but I might play that audio clip of Paddy O'Shea the grain of rice if I can get my it hands on it it's an
4: absolutely fantastic I use okay. I use that to say come on Vincent get going and there are many times in a day in a week I, I get the balls for the drink at 5 on Friday Seven on Sunday the times I was heaviest at drinking mm. I still get them even though I'm 10 or 12 years off and I, I have to say okay let's move on here you let's resist away you resist. and just watch yourself you, know? you resist when look after I the on Sunday I didn't go into any place I walked around you know and just went for a quick bite and spit chat
1: but and just finally, because yeah. I am over time, but just in a short answer, when you were in town at the weekend, not going into anywhere, do you feel sorry for yourself? Did you say, why me? Why can't I? What the hell is wrong no, with you? No,
4: because now I, feel, I I celebrate the fact that I gave up drink. Okay, I can okay. go into any pub and I can order a Diet Coke or I can order a non-alcoholic drink which I'm not a fan of okay. because I do feel there's a little grain of alcohol somewhere point not 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 not. I know what you're saying I, don't. Yeah, I know
1: what you're saying and, uh, I, right.
4: I've, I've tried it I tried it one night in the Park Arms and uh, I'm not a fan of them and I feel you still have that bottle
1: or that pint you know it could be but, a gateway uh, for some listen Vincent do stay in touch but I will say Credit to child.
4: people I will say to people the journey that I took is the most wonderful journey you could ever take And what I am saying, if you're dealing in drugs or uh, or, are involved in drugs, drug addiction or alcohol addiction, take the journey I took. Okay, my friend, thank you. Because it's a wonderful,
1: wonderful story. No doubt I'll hear hear from you you again. Appreciate you taking the call. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Vincent. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow back after 11. Fair play to Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best and newest names in Irish music.
0: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. We well,
1: have a lot to look forward to, particularly next year. And the summer's going to be great. It'll be fantastic to have live at the Marquee back again, assuming that everything keeps on going on track. And I know we've got issues with regards to, you know different aspects of, of COVID but one would hope that that will all be behind us well and truly by the time we get to Live at the Marquee uh, come the back end of May we'll have Riverdance Christy Moore Simply Red Coronas The Nationals Pet Shop Boys and the news that 10 o'clock this morning with Lana O'Connor was talking about uh, Jim Peter Aiken saying that he's going to announce some huge mega mega gig wonder who that's going to be in the coming weeks so lots to look forward to lovely story regarding the Honda 90 this morning unfortunately it was burned out but uh, nostalgia is lovely and it's great to you know know that they're still available, the old Honda Fifty. But I only mention it again because of the weekend. I saw an extraordinarily an extraordinary thing on the road uh, down west along, and it was a nineteen sixty four Massey Ferguson tractor, the red ones. As Massey Ferguson always say, if it's not red, leave it in the shed. This was a nineteen sixty four Massey Ferguson. I'd love to find Cork's oldest tractor. You might think I'm losing my mind, but I was thinking about it at the time as it was driving out. It was pulling a huge big trailer of turf, 1964. Now, you might have cars on the road from 1964. Maybe, maybe, and people might have a 64 motor car, a 62 or 61 that might take out from time to time. But a 1964 tractor that's still working and still being used on the farm every day, I mean, maybe it's a 1958 one somewhere in West Cork. But can anybody beat, not in a shed now a museum, I'm talking about a working tractor, 1964. Red Ma- Massey Ferguson I came across. Get in touch if you're of the agricultural persuasion. Text 0868104106. And I'd love photographs as well. I'd love to get a photograph of the oldest tractor in the county of Cork. <laughs> Why not? I'm laughing. You know, and actually, while I'm on a bit of a roll of the crazy things in my life, you know, we talk about food and the seasonal changes regarding food. As we head into the winter months, of course, we'll be looking towards more substantial, comforting, warming foods. And sometimes that can be. There's nothing better than a huge, big stew. A massive one that you get two or three days out of with loads and loads of root vegetables in there. Make your own stock and use beef or lamb or whatever you want. And you get a couple of days eating out of it. But I came across, I don't know what it is about the guys in Cully and Sully. They're just geniuses, the two of them. They've come up with what I think is one of the nicest soups that I've had in a long, long time. I mean, it is the nicest soup... Well, I need to be careful now because I have to go home. Apart from apart from my daughter's vegetable soup that she makes really well. So having said that, it's um, it's a lentil and smoked bacon. If you ain't had it and you see it on the shelves, do yourselves a favour and get a couple of cartons of it, take it home and have it. It's just gorgeous. There's something real nostalgic about it. Like a good meaty, you know, chunky soup with a bite to it. <laughs> Not, not for vegetarians because of the smoked bacon, but the rest of it is fine. Anyway, how do I get off on that? Who knows? Text 868104106 So squeeze a lot in between now and midday. Trish is standing by, but first up, Eilish, good morning.
8: Hello, uh, Neil, good morning again. It's kind of like
1: uh, telling people to mind their own business when it comes to Absolutely, other people's... Yeah. yeah. Okay, but well, what if it is our business? If, say, for instance, obesity is clogging up the hospitals...
8: That's got nothing, like I said in my text, that people should mind their own corners, okay? Look after your own, their own family, okay? When I saw that logo coming up on Facebook this morning, I said to my partner, thank God, someone finally has the guts to ax this
1: program. No, they're not axing it. There's just a petition asking for it to be axed.
8: I'd be asking everyone to sign it because I think it's just demoralizing what Eva said there. Um, Mother God, I'd love to hear them again because...
1: Well, I know, I don't know. I mean, apparently, it's they're quite old clips, but ones that attracted my attention. I don't, I don't mean to pick anyone out, but it was Kira Kelly said, um, "Abomination! I'm embarrassed for you. I'm disgusted to see you." getting drunk okay. on te- I don't know what the drunk on television is. They must film them as no, they go there, about their own lives.
8: one person said, um, you're a disgrace to the show. You're like down the show. Um, that, that may I have thing, been Dr. Ava, yeah.
1: but she doesn't hold back anyway. She doesn't pull punches. I I
8: could, I'd pull a at all as if it was one of my family. But um, then another person said they apologised for those remarks. What was an apology when people are depressed? And, and like I said, I, I admire that guy, Vincent. He hit every nail on the head. And... Um,
1: Right, that was I mean, an incredible story Vincent it really was he's so open and yeah, honest yeah, he doesn't yeah, hold yeah, back yeah, yeah, he doesn't yeah, hide yeah, anything he just gives yeah. the brutal facts of his life for 20 years I admired him he does for the
8: that. he's very good and yeah. he literally said nearly everything I wanted to see you know and like I suppose part of it need, like what Amry Tixler said they bring him on with the skimpiest old things on him and you know it's that is demoralising. Like somebody else said, and um, I'm reading all the text on your Facebook page. Why don't let them ha- wear their own clothes? Queen Why do? you won't
1: see the them. if they don't wear. Are, what is that? Forgive me. Is that a, do they wear cropped tops just below Crop the boob tops
8: and yeah. tight leggings?
1: You're not going to see the body shape if you're glammed up I suppose but,
8: but why, why does the public need to pe- see people's because um, people watch that kind
1: me. of TV they like car crash television they like my 80 pound testicle and all these kind of things you see on television oh, you know or the man yeah. with yeah. the woman with three boobs they just like watching that kind of TV
8: I don't know why they do I yeah but I, I hope it's taken off because I, I, say, I say I haven't seen it for years and years and years I knew someone on it once but um, it's
1: voyeuristic um, pardon it's voyeurism oh just... it
8: is it is yeah
1: why I'm do people me. watch Big Brother? Why do they watch Love Island? I, they...
8: I don't watch any of them. I couldn't stand them. I don't watch any reality TV. It's only rubbish. But um, no, I like like. There's always a reason. Now, thankfully, I have never, never had a problem like battling weight. But I know people. I do like, and in the majority case, Neil, they've either been bullied. They once upon a time had anorexia because they were fat shamed, and then bullying comes after that, and they're anxious some people become hermit and disconnected from the world. We
1: are living in a world where people doctor their photographs. They have an app to make their waist thinner, their bum tighter, their boobs bigger, their 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 neck more chiselled. They mm-hmm. can have an app to take the lines off their face. That, that's the world we're living in now. Where well, that's up
8: to themselves. I can't see why RTE... Have been
1: putting on the show for years and years well it's not um, up to themselves I mean we, society I has created this kind of pressure on people's body image, and at the same time, it. Facebook are making nine billion a quarter now, nine billion every three months and this morning we heard that Google are making made twenty dollars mm-hmm. profit twenty billion in three months mhm mm-hmm. that's that's um, but like that's the big that's, that's the big story to me,
8: yeah, social media. You know, I know it is a problem, right? But I was going to say that, like, uh, the other thing is, like, once the adrenaline rush goes off after being on telly, like, say, for 60 weeks or whatever long it is. And, like, you see the judges invading people's homes. That's what I would call it. I mean, why do they need to go to their home?
1: Well, people aren't, you know, they're not conscripted into uh, television shows like Operation yeah, Transformation. They that. sign up for it. It's voluntary. I know.
8: But then, having said that, Neil, some of your previous callers and texters have said they've met people who have increased weight drastically, yeah. Yeah.
1: you know? And, and regretted
8: and, going on it, yeah. yeah. And okay. uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, what i going to the gym? I've lots of friends on Facebook who are... Um, and, and, and in life as well uh, who are constantly going to the gym and eating properly and you know, um, I I just think it's, okay. it's just just
1: mm-hmm. Let me get some more on the air. Thank you, Alicia, as always. Trisha, good morning. Can you hear me real. all right? Thanks for holding. My apologies for keeping us so long. Thanks for your text. Uh, it's better to chat. Um, you, yep. want to pick up, you want to pick up on, on shaming people?
6: To be honest, I was happy way of listening out but it was, you had a text earlier that said the best way to tackle obesity is to shame people directly. It's the only way they're going to learn. I,
1: I think the text was how will people ever know that they're obese if we don't tell them that they're obese?
6: And as you said there's a massive societal issue with body image, how we perceive ourselves. I think everyone knows even people think they're obese when they're not. Like it's body shaming as a whole is a societal issue. If you want to look at an epidemic or a pandemic, it's body shaming. It's nothing to do with being fat or skinny or obese or anything like that. It's, it's societal, like as you said, with image editing and stuff like that. Like people aren't doing that because. What?
1: Yeah, with the filters. To... Can you explain to me why people want to use the filters? Is it because they <laughs> feel that they'll be shamed if they don't and somebody sees covering, them?
6: And... Yeah, it's covering imperfections, things that people see as ugly or as disgusting. It's societal things it's you know you years ago people talked about the problem with women's magazines targeting women's bodies and women's beauty standards and today it's across the board there for men as well like you know men have to get ripped they have to have abs they have to be this size or they have to have a dad bod or whatever they have to have the perfect beard or you know there's all these things and it goes for men and women and obviously men and women can be fat or skinny but like if we're going to talk about body shaming why is a shaming the appropriate part? Like, you, you don't teach kids to not do stuff by bullying them and harassing them. It, it doesn't lead to any good outcome. It, it would make it worse, if anything.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that leads to okay. issues regarding mental health then, of course, doesn't it?
6: Exactly. And, like, you don't know what someone's going through. Like, I'm, no one's going to sit here and say everyone's overweight or everyone's underweight because of mental health issues, but... It's all going to cause and effect of it, whether it's one way or the reverse way. And the fact that people sit here and think, especially with the the pandemic going on, that there's overweight people with heart conditions and lung problems, sitting up, taking a hospital bed, like where are the stats for that? Yes people need the hospital. It, yes, on,
1: so well, there are stats. Us, you know? there, there are stats over the last two years. They did drill into people but with... because of
6: COVID, that they're taking up beds from COVID patients. Like, no, no, never. Have nobody, nobody masters, would ever... A know? life
1: is a life, and, and a life is a life, and a life exactly. is worth saving regardless of what you tip right. on Where the did scale.
6: Where do we
1: draw the line of shaming? But, they, 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 but they did have... They
6: don't deserve a bed. You know, when their liver starts to fail, do we tell smokers that they don't deserve a bed when their heart or lungs give out, you know? Yes, there's a problem and poor choices and poor health habits lead to problems on top of other things but shaming someone and degrading them and making them feel worse about themselves Well I would be
1: very worried I would be very worried if I had a daughter or a son for that matter, a 13 or 14 years of age, 15, who had a social media account and they were filtering their photographs, that would be alarm bells if that's what's happening. And
8: it is, it's something that needs to be tackled because sometimes people
6: just want to slap a filter on something for humour or because oh I look really pretty that way you know and there is a harmless side to it as well but like if you're looking at it as a whole people do feel the need to my jaw isn't chiseled enough or my hair doesn't look perfect it's not shiny enough or my nose is too pointy my lips are too thin you know and you have all these problems like you've like you had another I think it was a caller a text earlier that talking about was it Love Island or something and they're all plastic and look like that that's body shaming as well you know people do what they do to make themselves feel better about themselves and as long as it's not harming anyone else I don't see why it's any of our business why should I sit here and be like oh well they all look plastic I wouldn't let my children watch that that's fine if you don't want your children to feel the need to change or well, why wouldn't uh, or I think maybe
1: Love Island changed a bit didn't they they brought in more of universal body shapes eventually did they
3: I they think. did yeah. like but suppose, why
1: were they forced into doing yeah. that at all why did they f- like? I'll tell you why because uh, it wouldn't be good for ratings maybe there were drag well, screaming there is kicking. a pandering
6: aspect to it but there is with everything you know like if if you want to look at like for example out like the Marvel Cinematic Universe you know there's men and women and heroes of all kinds of backgrounds and orientations and everything, but it was predominantly men for the longest time. And then people were like, well, what about the the women, the female superheroes? You know, young girls, little girls need something to look up to too. And then there was outcry, like, oh, they're pandering, they're doing this. Sometimes you can't win, and sometimes you do have to. No, I I think
1: think if you feel, people feel that... That, that was right, then they need to sit down and have a good think about it you know they' they they're they're all our daughters and our granddaughters, and we have to yep. fight for them now you you may have, you might you may have, have some argument to make when the when the when it started to talk about a female a female double o seven i mean that could that could fill maybe a couple of days' programs here as to whether the next bond should be a woman or not or or something or something's just the the domain of a male double o seven Do you know what I mean
6: I mean, I suppose it's a fictional character, James Like, who's a hurting by doing it? Like, I mean, obviously we all grew up watching James Bond. I was a massive fan as a kid. I loved it. It would be a bit weird to see it, but like, who's a hurting? It might be an awesome movie, you know. Like, it might be great for someone to see that. It might be a new generation. No, I suppose of, the
1: question is, is that taking it too far now? You know what I mean? Why,
6: like, how who is it hurting? Like, who you're not taking away anything from anyone. You're not changing a societal standard, you know? I
1: know, but like, he's always been a man, you know what I mean? And like...
6: But that's just because <laughs> that's how it was. Like, back in the day when 007 was made, most <laughs> spies or yeah. agents...
1: All the superheroes were men, yeah. and, and it was the
8: male-dominated... And,
6: and yeah, then exactly. the odd time like, when
1: there was a woman who had a very powerful, strong role, like... Catwoman and stuff like that. She was nasty.
6: (laughs) Exactly. And I I think a lot of people look back at Catwoman and, you know, (laughs) hang their heads in shame, to be honest. I know. But I think it's just a fear of change. Now, some things don't need to be changed, and I can agree with that. Like, you know, there's spin offs and stuff. But a lot of stuff, it's not that it shouldn't be changed. It's like, why can't it be? You know, it's not that we're just trying to change it because it's a man. Why not? Because it's a woman, or because they're skinny, or they're fat, or they're gay, or they're straight it's just people are afraid of change and people will shame and fight against anything that's different to what they perceive as normal and that's the problem and it's the same thing with heavy people if you look at a, a, a fat person you know as a descriptor and you're not happy with it like what's the need to attack them like just because you don't like oh, I know them, but fine. I suppose
1: people just you know? they, they just I don't know automatically judge somebody you know, I mean, I've spoken to employers on social. the air, spoken to employers on the air, and read out emails from employers, and actually had conversations with someone who said that they wouldn't hire somebody if they had a choice, if they were very overweight, because <laughs> they would equate that with laziness Sometimes or tardiness. Issues, yeah. do, do you know?
6: But, and again, there's a problem. Like, when it comes back, you can use the same thing with age. You know, if you're going to hire a 19 year old in an IT environment versus the 58 year old, you know, just based off of age alone, like, there's just discrimination in every aspect of life, really,
1: unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that can be true with ageism. Mind you, if you want to get somebody involved in IT, there's a lot to be said for a 19 or a 20-year-old. I think it was a 19 or a 20-year-old turned around McCurtain Street. I think it was an IT student from CIT that they brought in, some kind of marketing techie genius that uh, did all of the marketing plan for it. And just yeah. you, see, and you see the result in that, and that was, a, I think, a very, very young person did that. So we need, we need new minds as well. We need new eyes. It's true.
6: But at the same time, it doesn't mean all nineteen-year-olds are capable of that, you know. Oh, no, like, no, I agree. No, no. I think young minds are the future as well, you know. Someone who is <laughs> coming up to their thirties, but like,
1: all right, good it, to- it
6: doesn't mean that someone who's fifty-eight isn't way better to make oh, IT or it down. tech savvy, you know.
1: I know, I'm just uh, I'm seeing it from both points of view. Good to bounce off you, Tricia. Thanks for that. Take care. No worries. Cheers. Very heavy traffic on Wellington Bridge near Sunday as well, and some flooding, and I'm quite sure that's not in isolation. Drive with care.
0: The Neil Prendiville Show on Twitter. At Neil Red FM,
1: and I will be returning to those topics. So, if you want to be part of the conversation, text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. You can vote on Operation Transformation on my Twitter page as well. But I did mention earlier on that there's big changes as we head into the weekend. Well, actually, this comes into effect on Thursday night. A ticketing system where passes or tickets have to be bought at least an hour before entry. Certainly to nightclubs. Now, uh, a lot of the businesses within the industry are saying that they're not ready for it. They couldn't do that as quickly as I'm asked. They don't have the digital infrastructure. They don't have the ticketing websites, a lot of them. They don't have the scanners in place. Um, um, And they have to have it done by by Thursday. Uh, Even Leo Varadkar has come out and said that there will be problems. Sinn Féin have called this new rule a total and utter mess. But who's included and who's not? I just want to get a clearer picture, assuming that they themselves know um, what the picture is. And Sean McCarthy is the VFI secretary in Cork City. And he also has Tequila Jacks, Soho, Paddy the Farmers in the East Village and joins me by phone. Sean, good morning. Good morning, Neil. It's been a while since I saw you, so good to catch up. So what, what, what is expected to happen and to whom on Thursday night? Because we have... Nightclubs that I know of, then we have bars and we have night late bars and we have late bars with disc jockeys and we have late bars with bands. So what's going on? <laughs>
7: uh, good guess. Uh, <laughs> your, your guess is as good as mine, Neil. Um, I suppose, look, for, for to clear up things, there is no such thing really as a nightclub license. It's a, 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 um, a dance license. So you can apply for exemptions. So you have a regular seven-day license for your typical bar that are open the regular hours, and then you can apply for apply uh, for exemptions, which allows you to um, serve later and become basically a nightclub or a late bar. So anyone that applies for exemptions and they're granted um, can um, uh, become a nightclub or become a late bar, whichever they want, you know? Okay, but like, did they
1: not say that the nightclub would be different to an exemption ruling in the sense that <coughs> there's dancing in a nightclub? Is that the difference? Yeah.
7: Yeah, well, I suppose for a late bar as well, you're supposed to have a designated dance floor area, and that's part of one of the criteria. and most places that will be going with later exemptions would have a designated dance floor area. Now, it doesn't mean the dancing always happens there, but people just get up and spontaneously dance, but uh, that is one of the criteria. But it's, I suppose, getting back okay. to the point, Neil, it's absolutely crazy. Um, I suppose for us, we're known as a late bar in a lot of our venues, and I'm, I'll be serving food in all the places um, at the weekends up to 11 o'clock. And then, um, if somebody decides they want to stay on and dance the night away, I have to sell them a ticket. They have to leave my premises for an hour and come back in again uh,
1: after an hour. Is that the reality of it? Yeah. That's the reality.
7: That's the, that's, that's the guidelines. That's what uh, we've been told at the moment. Nothing has been issued actually until tomorrow. Um on paper so we actually this is only what has been said and we have to implement it in within 24 hours
1: or it's if a punter comes in you have to say you have to be gone by 11 exactly yep or um, you have to go out buy a ticket come checked. back in an hour
7: we've checked about these scanners because the person the, we've been told that the person's name has to be on the ticket so they not every no one I, as far as I'm aware of have that facility um, in their premises to print tickets or email tickets with the names on them We've checked We've checked it out, and there's about 100 only available in the country. The rest have to come in, and there's about a two-month lead time to get those scanners. But can
1: you so not adapt good. your websites, though? You can. Um, you can adapt your
7: website, but I suppose our, our issue, that's grand for the person that has planned their night out. But our problem, Neil, is the person that's already on our premises um, and said, right, they've met a group of friends that they hadn't planned to meet. Yeah and uh, they said, oh, let's let's stay on for a drink or let's stay on for a dance or catch up or whatever and they go, we have to go, sorry, you have to buy a ticket uh, please, you have to leave and come back in an hour
1: And also there's those that are out and say having a meal or in a pub decide to go to a late pub Um, they won't be inclined to bother because, you know, that spontaneous punter that you might get because they have that hour to hang around kind of thing Absolutely,
7: and I suppose what it, uh, what it what we see in the city centre is that Yes, we have a core of regulars, but a lot of people like to travel around and weather dependent. They like yeah. to visit three or four premises on, the, on a given night. Yeah, And um, it's, it's, it's inhibiting them on their ability to move around or decide, oh, let's go to Soho or let's go X, Y and Z. And uh, stopping them. And it's just putting another barrier up again for uh, an industry that's already on its knees. You and you
1: were, you were quite capable of getting on with it regarding COVID passes and certs on the door and checking everybody going in and adhering to numbers as it was, right?
7: Absolutely. Um, we,
1: we've been working within the guidelines from day one, and we,
7: were, we had inspections all last weekend, the Jazz Weekend, which was a fantastic, busy, busy weekend. Great to see people out in the streets, great to see so many young people out in the streets again mm. enjoying themselves. Mm. And we did get inspections, and there was no problem. I have got no um, feedback uh, from um, any of my members about issues at the weekend um, with regards to COVID passes and
1: having ID. Yeah, well, there, well, there, there were issues because I did hear of them of people borrowing other people's and others not being checked, and then there was others who were just asked, um, "Do you yeah. have your certs?" People would say, "Yeah, off you go." So yeah. uh, I think there were rogue cases, all right. But when oh. you say when you say inspected, did some? You mean you had some officials calling? Was it? We had people from the HSE yeah,
7: uh, coming in, um, looking how we were doing, uh, uh, taking contact uh, tra- tracing names, how we were adhering to the guidelines, um, and. Uh, all throughout the weekend. I know other premises as well. They were inspected more than once at the weekend, uh, making sure that um, people were adhering to the guidelines.
1: So an example of this then would be, say, Barry's in Douglas and uh, the East Village in Douglas, whereas Barry's don't have a dance floor, but they do have a late licence. They won't need any bookings. But across the road at uh, the East Village, where you do have a dance floor and you're also a late late bar, you would have to have bookings. Correct. That's
7: it. That's the... That's the absolute craziness of the whole thing. You know? You, you could have someone next door to you um, operating a very similar business but just different criteria um, a dance floor versus not a dance floor and uh, one will have to have a ticketing system and the other will have to kind of just operate as Would a you, late bar.
1: But I suppose we're in the middle of a bit of an old surge at the moment and uh, they're just uh, worried about people being up close and personal in big numbers in a nightclub with jar on board, you know? Um, they, they have to kind of try and curb this... This fucking covid nineteen you know
4: yeah, yeah
7: i I agree one I agree there is nobody saying um Neil that they shouldn't be, and we will all adhere to it, but at least give us guidelines that we can work with, give us the time to implement them make them practical, make them um so that people can actually come out and come out safely it's it's in it's our interest then in when we have the people out to make sure that they have a good and safe night.
1: Okay, okay. So whether you put a band in or not, does that matter or whether it's... like Because I say, for instance, in a few of your establishments, there'd be disc jockeys, right?
7: Yeah, completely. Um, live music, is, the, I think, is... Um, and I don't have the... As I said, Neil, we'll only get the, these guidelines tomorrow. But what we've heard is live music is the word that's mentioned, which means, obviously, I, a band or a one-man band or whatever. Um, so... Um, if there's a band there, you have to have a ticketing system. And
1: if you have it's a disc right, jockey right. there without a dance floor and it's a late bar, do you know? Uh, no, we do not. We've, we've, we've saw clarification on that and we're still waiting on it if you haven't enough to be doing. Anyway, I'll let you get on with it. Let's see what tomorrow brings. Thanks for taking the call, Sean. Cheers for now. No problem, Neil. Thank you. Sean McCarthy, Tequila Jack, Soho, Paddy the Farmers and the East Village. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868-104-106. Another thing that's back, actually, and it's great to hear, weddings are back and full capacity weddings at that matter. And it's been a tough one for the wedding industry. I know we've spoken about this on the air. Everybody's talked about it over the last two years because there's an awful lot of other businesses that support the wedding industry. It's not just the bride and the groom and the hotel or the church for that matter or the registry officer wherever you're doing it for yourself there was an awful lot of other industries that were feeding into the wedding industry and all that stopped and then it was unbelievable restrictions on numbers but there is a monster wedding show this will be the first wedding event in ireland since lockdown and more importantly it's happening here in cork on the 31st of october so you still have some lead in time for it. michael hutt is the man behind it he's got southern brides and he's putting on the uh, monster wedding show a quick call from him michael good morning Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. So very excited to be back um, because God knows the pandemic hit the wedding business. I mean, I wonder what kind of reduction there was over the last two years. Was it like 50%, oh, 80 70
9: Yeah, at, at, at least. I mean, I haven't run a wedding show since February the 16th, 2020. So that's how long I've been out of work, apart from running a virtual show about six weeks ago. So it's been a long time. I did not know for definite my show was going ahead until last Thursday, yeah. and myself along with all the clubs, pubs and bars. Being quite honest, we, we've been treated appallingly. You know, I mean, I, I've I've ads running on your station at the moment. I didn't even know if they were going to run. So, it's, but we're back. We're it's kind a of
1: bit a, bit l- a lot of this is seat of the pan stuff. You're right there, but it feeds yeah, into seat of the pan yeah. stuff. But look, what I would like to say. how many? I'm just curious because I, I kind of like to put put kind of this into the perspective of numbers. How many weddings were there, say last year or, or this year, and how many are expected for next year? Do you have those stats? Well,
9: well I mean, they're looking at about forty thousand next year at, at the moment. From what I can see, this year. The figures are all over the place because some people have, have, have only had three or four weeks to prepare a wedding, and earlier in the year they'd get a new date, only to find out a few weeks later they couldn't go so ahead. You couldn't say so really. Then, into the lockdown, all the wedding suppliers and venues have been juggling multiple dates. It's been. You know, it's been a a logistical nightmare for for suppliers and venues.
1: So when we say that weddings are back, they're back for lots of different businesses. Like what? They're back for everyone. They're, They're back for all the suppliers now. The last people
9: to go back to work were wedding bands, and that's only fairly recently. They really suffered. So now we were at 100 people. We're now at an unlimited capacity you know, for guests, there's no restrictions. Um, now, with my show this coming Sunday at Roachestown Park, everyone has to have, have COVID certs. Everyone has to wear masks, but that's a small price to pay for having a live event. But do you know the
1: guests? Events. You know the guests at a wedding, say yeah. three or four hundred of them. Do they all have to have COVID passes and QR codes?
9: Well, they will. They will now. Yeah, I mean, you can't go. You can't go in anywhere now without. With, without now, when I do my show, the security. No, I'm there, saying
1: no. No, I'm saying for an actual wedding, would would the wedding guest list be only vaccinated people?
9: As far as far as I know, yeah. You can't. You know, you can't go into any any meeting or an event. event. No, because
1: I can book into a hotel unvaccinated.
9: You can book into a hotel, but you've still you've still got to provide your COVID cert. Um, Just like they're doing with the clubs now, you're going to have to book an hour in advance.
1: Do I need Uh, to have a QR code and a COVID cert to book an overnight in a hotel? No. Well, as a guest, I'm not 100% sure because that
9: wouldn't be my part. But when people come to my show... They have to show
1: security. Well, I know that. I know. Well, absolutely. No, I was no. The question I was asking was: Do guests at a wedding say if I was getting married in the morning and I was putting together a guest list for a hotel, uh, can I only invite people who are, are vaccinated? I don't. I don't.
9: Well, I would. I, I, yeah, from what I, I can see, with the ever-changing guidelines you would have to be vaccinated. You wouldn't be be able to to, to come in if you weren't vaccinated because if you're at a meeting, if you're at a meeting and event, I can't see that the two are going to be any different. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, so, you know, so, I mean, I've had a few cancellations on my show, only a few, and they're mainly people that that are not vaccinated. So, um, you know, just on the numbers, it's, it's looking like most people in that getting married age group have taken up the vaccination offer and are doing it. But look, I mean, it's been a long time and it's easy to kind of forget, you know, at the beginning. But I'd just like to to say, look, we really owe a lot to all the health services, you know, all the bus drivers, all the people working in supermarkets. You know, a lot of these people get forgotten, but, you know, we've had it tough in the wedding business, but so has every other person
1: in business well said well it's good to be magnanimous but certainly at a wedding um, event like yours for instance you're going to have hotels uh, the venues in general florists photographers videographers marquee companies caterers wedding planners um, all sorts of different people on show won't you there's, there's all kind of suppliers and there's also a lot of
9: suppliers that have been with me since actually 2006 because that's when I ran my first wedding show in Cork I'm actually living here since 97 and I used to be a wedding photographer, uh, but I've been running the show since 2006, so I've seen a lot of people come and go in that time. But there's a hardcore, very professional wedding suppliers who've who've been with the show for years and, and have become good friends of mine. And everyone has got through, you know, through this pandemic. There's been a few casualties, but... What I'd call the the, the really professional suppliers of. Um, Hung in there. And would 40,000 be a lot for next year? Well, it would, yeah. I mean, you know, it's already over capacity. So what are they so
1: doing now? Are they mo- doing. They're clearly not doing two weddings on the one day, aren't they? But well, they might be doing, what, Thursdays or something, is it? Or yeah, well, Sundays. You see, yeah,
9: midweek weddings now will will become. Because what's happening next year is a lot of the weddings that got cancelled this year have had to rebook for next year so people looking new people looking for dates next year are finding you know all the popular dates have gone Gone. so so you know the slack can be taken up by 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 people going for midweek weddings 2023 is going to be be incredibly busy you know and and it's changed people's you know everyone has changed i you know I've changed in in the way I live my life since the pandemic mm. um, you know i I, I go out and do a lot of landscape photography I go out walking in that time I got together my own website for landscape photography um, and it was
1: important to keep your mental health and what, how how will that affect your industry Are you, how how will people lifestyle change affect that
9: well I just think everyone as a, a, a everybody since the lockdown you know people people working from home people not able to work and and surviving basically you know on government support everybody so many people have, have, have kind of had a
1: reappraisal of, of of how they spend money are you talking about big flamboyant ostentation weddings on ostentation no, no
9: i think i, I think peop- people are cutting back a bit but they're still booking all the essential things and um you know, there's always some kind of services on the periphery that, yeah. that, that people may not not book now, you know, because of budget. But from all the people I know very, very well personally, at the moment, they're all incredibly busy. I
1: hope so, the hotels can get the
9: staff then for
1: the 40,000 well,
9: weddings. Such, such something that, that they're getting. You know, my son is actually starting at Town Park tonight as a part-time barman. Good man. Uh, he's just finished his degree. So all the venues are finding it incredibly difficult to get staff. The restaurants, um, and there's been no clarity. And then, and then when you look at what's gone on in the UK, um, how we've ended up in this situation—you know, how the events industry, the leisure industry—it's been treated appallingly. There's been no clarification, and now the poor nightclubs are now being told that they're going to have to have people booking tickets an hour before they can come in and they haven't even got the scanning...
1: Equipment. Yeah, I covered that there with the uh, with the lads. Just uh, with regards yeah. to the event then, uh, I'm gonna catch a couple of tickets to give away maybe for the back for the yeah. end of the yeah. week, maybe for Friday, but it's happening on the thirty first, which is what, Sunday week? Rochestone Park? No, no, no this Sunday. My apologies. The month is gone. It's this Sunday. It's gone. Yeah. It's Crikey. it's
9: disappeared. Yeah. So it's twelve o'clock to five thirty and then there's two fashion shows with Assets Model Agency at 1.30 and three thirty. Um, so there's everything there pretty much, you know, to plan your wedding. I, as I say I'm running the wedding shows for a long time okay. now, and um, and it's gonna, it's looking like it's gonna be very
1: busy. Tickets on the door, is it, or do people have to book no, in advance? No, tickets, tickets are on Eventbrite,
9: but you can also pay in at the door, okay. Um, and as long as you've got your COVID cert and uh, ID with you, that, that's all you need. Oh, and you
1: do need a mask, so um. You know, that's, that, that's a small price to pay. Ah, now it's just, paid. people are so used to that. What can you do? Yeah, so we're Sunday we're then we're at Rogestone Park, what time? It, it, it's
9: 12 o'clock to 5.30. All right,
1: my man. Okay, well, it's great to be and, even uh, having these conversations. And,
9: and thanks for having me on. Um, I, I came on a few years ago and... Um, you know, it's good to ha- it's good to have a bit of support, you know, and
1: the wedding industry has really... Started. Oh, listen, you're preaching so, to the converted. Anytime, just stay in touch. I love bigging up events and anything that's happening where people get an opportunity yeah. to spread their wings. And yours is one of them, the Southern Brides Monster like, Wedding Show. But, but
9: like I said, Sunday at three. It, it, no, I don't want to sound corny, but, you know, it's easy to forget when all this started. And, you know, a lot of people were terrified to go out and... You know, it, it's good not to forget all these people. Even when we go into shops and supermarkets, you know that these people—they've been there on the front line all through this. Yep, and, point um, well made. Point you well know, made. I, I take. I take. I'll take the hat that I don't have off for them, you, know? you take
1: your trilby yeah. off to them. All right, Michael. I'll take my trilby off to okay. them. Um, okay, I'll let you get, get on with organising the final details for Sunday at 3 o'clock at the Restaurant Park cool. Hotel. Yeah, and uh, just get in touch with me about those tickets. i will had some tickets off you, yeah, and I'll give them away Friday morning, all right? You're very good. Cheers, Thanks, pal. Neil. Take care. Cheers Michael Huffman, Southern right. Brides. That's something for your diary. Planning on getting married? Planning on a wedding? Get down there, Roachstone Park, Sunday, 3 o'clock. Thank you. The
9: Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850-104-106.
1: Thank you so much, guys. You're on the ball. Wedding guests do not have to be vaccinated as far as I know. One person says, another one says, you don't need a cert for a hotel or a wedding. Another one, you don't need a COVID pass for a hotel. We had this conversation at work yesterday. Several members of our team are not vaxxed and stayed in a hotel in Cork this week so they could go to the jazz event and they were there without having COVID passes issued. Um, you're right. You do not, if you're staying in a hotel overnight, as in you have booked a room and you're staying overnight, then you do not have to have a COVID pass. You don't even have to be vaccinated. But if you are going in to eat or to book a table in there as a punter off the street or to go in to have a drink or whatever the case may be, you will then need a QR code. I know the daftness of it that you have people walking around the hotel then uh, who are vaccinated, or unvaccinated, some have QRs, some don't, they're in social settings, but I don't make up the rules, but there's the difference. Now, I also don't think, I, I don't know, but I wouldn't think that you need to be carrying a QR code I'm open to correction on this if you're attending a wedding now again that's the confusion of yeah I'm attending the wedding and I have booked a room I'm attending the wedding and I have not booked the room so I'd love some clarification on that one but that's for another day possibly tomorrow let me just finish from where we started I was going to drill into a bit of the the music regarding the 80s and that's where we started earlier on but I'll probably deal with that tomorrow there's a big difference between the popular songs in the clubs in the 80s and the top 10 or top 20 in the 80s because you know, never the Twain shall meet there. You know, you might have Cliff Richard in the top ten in the eighties, but they wouldn't be dancing to him in a nightclub kind of a thing. Uh, but anyway, with regards to uh, Jordan and reminiscing about the eighties and clubs and working on the doors and what have you, I think he's looking at bouncers through rose-tinted glasses. In Cubans, I was always allowed in, but my boyfriend, who is now my husband of twenty-two years, was never allowed in. And he's the quietest, decent guy you'll ever meet. He constantly was told, "Not tonight, lad." Very condescending, isn't it? Not tonight. As in, like, no reason why, just not tonight. Um, Tim Kelleher from Ballincollig ran Malibu. He's the current Lord Mayor of Cork, Colum Kelleher's dad. Well, thank you for that and good luck to him. Please say hello to Jordan from us. We were lucky to have him Friday night as our taxi man. He's a great character. Laura and the gang, he dropped them to the top of the hill bar. Well done, Jordan. Well... Everybody in the eighties, particularly the ladies, were lucky to have Jordan. Uh, the bouncers had to make sure trouble didn't get into a club, and that time, and that time, at that time, there was a lot of gang culture, so they had to be very firm on the door to prevent trouble from getting inside the door. Says Jerry. Uh, wow, brilliant memories this morning between myself and my friends. I think we had a shift off most of the bouncers in Cork best of times bring it back please what bring back the times when you could have a shift off all the bouncers bring back the nightclubs the bouncers in Cork were the worst if you went out in a group they'd stop one person always just to wind up the rest I was one stop for being too drunk I wasn't drunk one of my friends came out to check on me I swapped jackets with them and walked right in on my own amazingly I was sober then must have been some jacket to sober me up after 10 minutes <laughs> Do you remember buses going down to the White Lady in Kinsale or the Monster Arms in Bandon? Oh my God, there were fights all of the time. Happy days. We used to book a and b a B&B just in case we scored. Well, fair play to you. Always pro-armed pro, pro armed is for, or forearmed is forewarned. Um, I played the White Lady in Kinsale for four or five years, actually great in the summer, but boy, it was a different ball game in the winter. I also played uh, Bandon, but I don't know. I didn't play Bandon all that often, but I don't remember any fights in the White Lady, to be absolutely honest with you. I remember a kick-ass curry down there that was in this big, huge metal vat. Uh, I think they just rolled the vat out week after week after week until it was gone. Probably got better with age. Uh, I remember Vincent Hanley was the jock in Swingers. My man was a cleaner in there during the day. Stevie Bolger of uh, Cork RTE was also... I don't know whether... Yeah, maybe Stevie was one of the co-owners of the Swingers at the time. He certainly jocked there. He certainly played there. Stevie Bolger played there. Um, Vincent Handley played there. Cagney played there also. Uh, and uh, another one or two as well might come to mind. Anyway, door staff at these nightclubs have a reputation of picking and choosing who they'll allow in and denying admission for the flimsiest of reasons. So perhaps another benefit of prepaid tickets going forward would end that nasty discriminatory practice on the door, says Ray. Yes. What happens if somebody... Ray, spot on. What happens if somebody comes up with a ticket that they bought online and they're barred? What happens if somebody comes up with a ticket on Friday night um, and they're refused Think about that for ticket only. Aslan let down their fans on Saturday by cancelling their gig in the INAC in Killarney at the last minute with no explanation. That was bad form, says Pat. Talking about a cancelled gig in the Opera House and he's talking about Aslan. It could be Christie's health, you know. You have to give a bit of slack there with regards to Christie trying to, trying to battle on in spite of, um, you know, the illness issues that he's carrying with cancer or what have you. Um, and then a lot on weight loss just a few on those. My kids call me fatty sometimes. Then I laugh and I go about losing my belly with exercise and diet. I see it as a positive remark. When my kids call me fatty I do something about it and I exercise. Uh, the man Vincent who worked in menswear is contributing to the problem by repeating and implying that a 38 inch waist is big. Does he not realise that a 38 inch waist could be quite normal size for many? Maybe unintentionally on his part, but he needs to stop implying that 38-inch is huge. Happy to read out the text, but I don't think you're being fair. For Vincent's size, um, and I know him, and he's not a big guy, he was a thin guy, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't basketball height or anything. Uh, For him, and he was talking about him personally, a 38-inch waist for his body size was too big." Um, what BS of course it's a weight show, weight loss show Operation Transformation why else would they weigh people every week why else would they shame them if it was a healthy show they'd cut out the shaming and they'd cut out the weekly weigh in um. I mean, it's a weight loss show. I mean, it might be other things as well, but it is a weight loss show. It's demoralizing bringing the contestants on television dressed almost in their underwear and standing next to them is Catherine Thomas, who's made up for the catwalk and in full makeup. Another one or two, it's horrible having them dressed the way they are coming out. must be very embarrassing for them, and it's just not right. And I love you and leave you on this one. Uh, After deciding to get my act together and lose weight uh, and tone up, I lost two stone. I then met another parent from school and she asked me, was I sick? When I said, no, I'm just trying to be healthy, she went on to say, you were so fat. <laughs> Poor Caroline, you just couldn't win. Lines will stay open at 1850-104106. Text 868 104 We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow.